Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everybody. You're listening to a very special, all-new, all-star season of The Big Brother Brothers, the ultimate unofficial podcast from your friends, Fox and Lance. I'm your Big Brother-obsessed host, Fox Van Allen. And joining me today, uh, throughout the entire Big Brother All-Stars, season 22, is my good friend, uh, Big Brother brother from a different mother. Uh, Join me in welcoming Mr. Lance Cartelli. Hello, Lance. Hey, Fox. I am so excited. I actually, we had no idea whether or not we were going to be able to do this because uh, Big Brother 22, the season has been up in the air for so long. It's a late start, but we are finally here. We've got a live premiere to talk about. I am so excited. I'm really excited to do it with you, man. I'm really excited too. I'm just glad that we're not doing it live because things obviously don't go well when they're live. Live TV is a tricky art, Lance. Uh, And we're going to talk about that. Uh, and we're going to talk about a, a whole bunch of other stuff, too. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with, uh, if you're joining us from the Survivor Brother podcast, uh, welcome. Uh, we're going to be doing a very similar show here. But uh, for Big Brother Brothers, uh, we do talk about live feeds and what is going on uh, in stuff that you may have not yet seen on the show. And we're going to do that later in the episode. And we're going to give you a warning before uh, we do that. So if you are spoiler averse, you can uh, dip out uh, then. Uh, but uh, hopefully you'll uh, stick with us because we're going to have a lot of fun today. Um, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun all season long, really, Lance, because we've got, uh, we're going to have some new segments. We're going to have some uh, new guests. And we're going to have, because it's our all-star season, it's an all-star Big Brother season. It's an all-star podcasting season. We've got to bring back some podcast all-stars, some of the Big Brother Brothers, Survivor Brothers all-stars. And this is my way of welcoming to the show uh, a three-time uh, podcaster with us here now, uh, Mr. Mike Bloom. Hello, Mike. Hello. Yes, third time yeah. with, the, with the Brothers franchise, many more times <laughs> with other podcasts. I don't know, if I'm a relatively recent quote-unquote all-star, does that make me what, like the Nicole Anthony of uh, of your guest palette so far. That's, I don't know who's coming down the line, but that's right. It's better yeah, to be in the other Nicole. <laughs> that's right. Yes, you are. You're the good Nicole. Um, yeah, you are, uh, and yeah, you are. Like you said, you are a podcasting veteran here. Uh, you are a uh, RHAP staple. Uh, we love their Rob has a podcast world, uh, and also you uh, you write an awful lot of amazing reality TV coverage for Parade. Uh, you know, we we were following you all season long for Survivor, uh, and now we're following you all season long for Big Brother. Yeah, I am super excited about this because Big Brother is a show that, you know, with my own personal history, I came into it around season three. Uh, Season one was sort of like a hot mess that nobody really likes to talk about, except it just recently celebrated its 20th anniversary. So that was fun to dote upon. Season two was the one that I think sort of like Survivor Borneo, like did not catch flame as much as that. But in a smaller perspective, a lot of people were like, okay, this show is interesting that they've changed up the format. So season three is when I came in. The season of Daniel Reyes and Lisa Donahue and Marcellus and Jason Guy and Amy Olette. Like, big, big fun season. And I've stuck with it ever since. And so obviously for my Survivor podcasting and writing, people probably more so know me as that. But I am a huge 
Big Brother fan as well. And as you've said, Fox, I've had the pleasure of being able to write and interview house guests uh, since around season 19. And so that's become like a really fun, just like Survivor. Uh, I, I pinch myself every day that I get the ability to talk about and write about something that I love so much. And from that perspective, as someone who's been watching since 2002, oh my God, Big Brother All-Stars is here. A season that us diehards did not veritably think would ever exist no quite honestly I, I i i did not think uh i did not think it would ever come either uh you know i've had my the occasion to talk with people who have worked on the show and like my first question is always like all-stars like are we gonna get another all-stars and i the the general idea like I, there wasn't like a resistance to it but just like things didn't line up and it's weird that in the 2020 this awful year for everything the world's falling apart but for somehow like because the world fell apart we get big brother 22 and all-star season we have house guests that are on this this season because of covid because they don't have anything else going on they wouldn't be able to do it if we weren't in this weird awful situation that we're in so silver lining to a uh a troubled time i guess um, I'll take the silver it, lining. Yeah, here for I'll it. take it. Yeah. I mean, it's just so exciting because, uh, you know, I'm a similar fan to Mike where I started season one. I didn't love season one, but then season two really got me. I'm obviously Dr. Will guy and stuff. So I, the only real nitpick I have is that we've already had a Big Brother All-Star season. They should have named it something else like Big Brother All Parents. You know, I mean, everyone's a parent. Yeah. Or I don't know, the Amazing Race uh, for their second quote unquote all-star seasons used a subtitle that I'm obsessed with called Unfinished Business Mm. uh, that I think, you know, when we get into this cast, people are going to have their quibbles with the cast, just like they have with every single freaking returning player cast. Here's the thing. They're not going to, CBS is not going to Freddy Krueger themselves and reach into your dreams and pull Mm. out the exact perfect cast that you want to. You'll always have a couple people that you don't want on there. But Julie Chen Moonez has been like touting in her press before this season. And even in that live show, she said, you know, everyone on this season has something to prove. And to Lance's point, like, I know it wouldn't feel right to, to call it anything but all stars just to like inflate these egos. But I really do feel like this cast could be themed under Big Brother Unfinished Business, where it really sure. does feel like no matter what you say about each person, everyone sort of had something they want to resolve they want to return for a specific reason whether it's to prove something or to like go further than they did before and it really does feel like this group in particular is capitalizing on that whereas the first big brother all-stars was sort of like the first og survivor all-stars where it was more so like look at this big celebration by bringing together some of the biggest characters and most popular people from over the years yeah, and let's let's start talking about some of these uh, fantastic people because we finally, you know, it's a, a live premiere and it, that is the moment that we all finally got the cast reveal. Uh, I, I know you as well as I have been uh, following this in the days and weeks prior, uh, all the rumored people who were there and then all of a sudden disappeared and there were so many names and we got a lot of the names we were expecting, a few names we weren't. Um, but let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the people who were there first, uh, before we talk about the people who weren't there. Right. Um, so let's, let's go down the list. So we're inter- we're introduced in the, uh, the live premiere, uh, groups four at a time. So let's talk four, that's four, um, <laughs> counting's tough. Uh, so let's, let's talk about the first four and it is a, uh, it is a all-star, uh, all-star grouping, including, uh, season 16 player and season 18 winner, Nicole Franzel. 
uh, we have got from season eight and season 13, uh, Danny, Danny Briones, uh, uh, also, also known uh, from her relation to a man who shall not be named. Um, we've got uh, season well, in 13. In fact, I met Danny. Oh, I met Danny at a Sharky's in Huntington Beach like <laughs> 10 years ago. Oh, really? So yeah. Brush, brush with fame. She was very nice. Yeah. Is that the largest celebrity you've ever met? No, I met Goldberg. He almost spit on me once, but that's a different, save that for a different podcast. That's good. Yeah, we'll save that for our, our Goldberg specific podcast. Uh, <laughs> from, next Celebrity Big Brother comes around and Goldberg ends up playing. Hey, there you That'd go. Amazing. Yeah, he would be great. Uh, so uh, from season 19, we've got uh, All Star, uh, Chris, Christmas Abbott. I guess. Uh, and we've also got uh, a personal favorite of mine from season 17 and season 18, Devon, Devon Rogers. Um, so, challenge all-star. Yes, challenge all-star. Very much so. so. Let's, start, let's start with our first person here, uh, Nicole, uh, who uh, showed up to the Big Brother live premiere. It's a look. It is a look. I didn't put an adjective in front of the word look. Uh, you can do that yourself, but that was a... That with the pigtails and that that shirt, that is a look. Uh, what well, do, I, wonder, uh, I, I wonder, is she really like, because we see this in her package, well, is she really going for like this Midwestern country angle? Because I feel like I never necessarily got that from Nicole. I guess maybe in her first season when she really was more of like the quirky, nerdy underdog, she more so came across like that. But considering like how much she's been able to grow her brand, over the years. And I think her, even her bio even has her career as like social media influencer. It's, it's a little bit of like of a weird guy to put on. It's also a weird thing to note that I think uh, what this is the first, like, I think this is the fourth show she's been on in like six years, right? Mm. She's been on Big Brother three times and she's right. been on The Amazing Race once. Like that is a record to rival Boston Robin Amber in the, in the mid 2000s, which is crazy. Cause again, you wouldn't necessarily think like okay of the newer big brother cast who is the one to really take off and, and do some some other cbs shows i don't think nicole franzel would necessarily make the top 10 but you know what she's she's doing her and she's leaving victor to to plan the wedding while she goes and plays big brother for a couple months she is i will say she is certainly memorable and she certainly uh she certainly causes a reaction a strong reaction in the fans uh, whether you like her or don't uh, an awful lot of folks don't uh care for for her particular style uh, but you know, everyone's got their favorites. Uh, she's got. That's to, why I think. That's why I think she's so interesting for this because you know it's all stars, so you're rooting for a lot of the people, but you have to have some villains in there and stuff. And you know, you, she might not be like a traditional villain, but it's something somebody to root against and stuff. And I think that just adds tension. It adds just entertainment to the house. Yeah, I th she's a really she's a really good player for a couple different reasons. But I, I think like one of the reasons why I think she's so dangerous in this game. And if I was playing, like she would be one of the first people that I would want to get out because she's got this midwestern thing, right? Where she's so nice, and it's oh gosh, golly, and she just like she seems like such a sweet person, and then. When it comes to the game, she will stab you in the back so effing quick. She is just, she is fantastic at the game for doing that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that I feel like because she is a little bit of an underrated player, that maybe they're not going to be on the lookout for that. And they should be on the lookout for that because you don't want to sleep on Nicole. She knows what she's doing. Well, I think with Nicole, it's a thing where she, if you give her an inch, she is going to take a mile. Like that was one of the issues with season 16 was that this pretty ironclad Alliance of Eight formed and then they, they winnowed down to six eventually, but Nicole was not part of that. And so her entire season 
was essentially her battling from the outside in, which was very tough. Season 18, she comes in, and yes, her initial alliances do fall apart, but she does a really great job at being able to, like, use those first few dates to, like, at least build almost like a jawbreaker, you know, like builds layers of people around herself. Uh, you know, people like Corey, people like James, uh, so that when people do go after certain people, she almost has like shields to get thrown in front of them, maybe because they're coming off as bigger threats. And I think that's something to your point, Fox, about how, and she even talks about how, you know, she is, I think, one of the less regarded modern winners. Uh, the modern winners are also a certain thing where, you know, there's been a big argument. It's like, well, this person should have won over this person uh, just because of jury structure. But she was one of the first I can remember in recent memory because the, oh, Paul should have won. Uh, you know, he, he had a huge run there at the end. I can't believe that Nicole won. So I can understand why she wants to come back. And you think initially that she is like instantly going to go up on the block as a previous winner. But whether through preseason connections or what she's able to do, I agree that if she's able to get through the first couple of weeks safe, I could see another situation where she like burrows her way into a nice little nest of people and be able to survive at least farther than you might have think thought for only one of two previous winners. Sure. Yeah, this and season really sets up for her too because it, her gameplay is throw bigger threats under the bus and stuff. And mm. this is a whole season of bigger threats pretty much. So that just plays right into her hand. Plus, she does have a lot of people that she is connected with as as far as like played in the past with, um, you know, you could say, uh, you know, Cody, for sure. Like she's mm -hmm. played with Cody before in season 16. Uh, she's played with uh, Devon before in season 18. Uh, of course, there's been some that that did not work out well for Devon. Uh, she became one of Nicole's little. Yeah, but, um, but Devon did vote for Nicole in the end. And some would argue true. she was the vote that gave her the win. Uh, you know, Nicole also ran the Amazing Race with Janelle, and not to say, I think she feuded more so with the other Big Brother team than with Janelle and Brittany, but obviously there is some experience, uh, you know, racing around the world together, even if there is in competition. And I think Nicole's also been, like, relatively active in the years after her show. We remember a couple times when she was, like, brought back onto the show to uh, to talk about her opinions on season. So, like, if if she hasn't been connected with modern players, she at least knows of the modern players enough. Uh, and she's also a more modern player herself, where if people, and we'll get to this with the first HOH in the spoiler section, if people are saying, what did they do on their previous season? She's less of a question mark because she played in the last four years. Sure, sure. Um, all right. So I, I want to, I mean, there's, there's play, we could go on talking forever about yeah. Nicole, but we got, we got a ton of other people to talk about here. Uh, so let's, let's move on to uh, a, a fan. Uh, I will, I'll say fan favorite here. Uh, someone I know a lot of people are excited to see uh, come back and play. Uh, Danny, uh, Danny, uh, of course, from Big Brother 8, uh, Big Brother 13. Um, you know, we got a little bit of our, a little bit in the package of uh, what went wrong in, in Big Brother 13. Uh, but she is a uh, she's a very skilled player, and uh, I'm I'm hoping as as someone personally who is a more of a new school Big Brother fan, uh, I, I want you to uh, give me the give me the the Danny download here, Mike. Yeah, so it's interesting that you say you know big fan favorite because I would argue that Danny Donato slash Briones is one of these Big Brother players who did not become a favorite until her second season. Mm. Um, so her first season, she entered playing against. Uh, how did she put it even like not even saying it was her father saying that she like played with someone who she knew like she wanted to witness that. protection and like that. couldn't even say it uh, but you know she went in with him and I think that definitely it both hurt and helped her it helped her in that obviously she had sort of a ride or die to the point where they made the final two together but it hurt her to a certain extent because I think she was viewed 
I would argue maybe sometimes unfairly as like, okay, well, she's like the bratty younger girl. She was only 20 turning 21 when she played the first time. And so that reputation really hurt her. And, you know, she ended up getting beat in the end. And she comes back. And I think one of the reasons why she became a fan favorite is, you know, Big Brother 13 has eight new players and six veterans come back. And the six veterans were three pairs. And so the veterans said, okay, this is easy. Let's just all work together here. And they won, you know, the first three HOHs. And Danny also had this really weird twist that because her father ended up leaving the house early, she got like a golden key that basically guaranteed she, she would survive until jury, uh, which is a weird situation. But basically, Danny got bored, if in a manner of speaking. She was like, I don't want to be with these veterans anymore. You know, I, I like these new people better. And so I think a lot of people supported her because of that. They really yas-queened her because she was that first person to really uh, strike out against the veterans. She got rid of Brendan, of Brendan and Rachel twice. Uh, basically, he he got voted out. Then he came back and she got HOH and voted him out once again. She didn't make it terribly far her second time out, got to about eighth place. But people loved her fight. And that's the thing about Danny is that she is someone who is able to give a lot of fight. She ties the record for most veto wins in a season, as she's going to say. So if that passion and uh, compability is able to keep going through the process of motherhood, which I'm assuming it will, it's going to be a very fun ride for her. Uh, Lance, what do you, what do you think? Uh, what, do, what, do you, uh, what are you expecting out of Danny this season? Yeah, I'm really excited to see her play. It's, it's just been so long and she's such a different person now that I really am just mm. excited to see how, you know, it's changed throughout her, her life and everything. And, uh, you know, not to get too spoilery and stuff, but like, which side of the house does she go with? She seems like one of those people that could really flip on the house and kind of, you know, she is similar to Nicole, just like a little more loved where she will do whatever she needs to do for her own game. And I find that really interesting, especially in this uh, environment. Yeah, um, I, I know a lot of people have their eyes on her, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching too, uh, because there is a, a, I, she's gonna be good g- gameplay. We're gonna see some good gameplay yeah. out of her, and that's what I'm most excited about the good mm-hmm. gameplay and this she's, season. She's not gonna do what fans want or what she's gonna do what she thinks is right for her, and you don't get yeah. that a lot, especially with the new school people. That's exactly how you got to play it. All right, uh, so let's let's move on and talk about uh, if we we've moved on from a fan favorite, uh, maybe fan favorite's not the right word, uh, but uh, uh, we're getting a second chance for Christmas, Christmas Abbott from Big Brother 19. Um, if you uh, if you watch the live feeds, you may have heard that she broke her leg in Big Brother 19. Um, she doesn't like talking about it. It's it, you got to really pull it out of her. Um, but she she apparently uh, so she she broke her leg very early on. I think it was day twelve. Um, she was uh, she was uh, taking a cow uh, right riding a cowboy fell off in the backyard and uh, that was that was the end of the game that she wanted to play. Obviously she is she has she is uh, her arms are more jacked than mine. She is she is built like a she is a brick wall. She is a fantastic competitor and she was not able to do any of that on season 19. If you remember, she ran she she that 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 race HOH she won was the saddest thing. Like watching her hobble with her thing over the finish line. Um I know a lot of fans aren't aren't thrilled with Christmas coming back, but uh, what do we think, Mike? What what are you, what are your thoughts on Christmas? Yeah, it's tough to think about like Christmas from a popularity perspective because sure. even aside from uh, the broken foot thing, which nearly, I mean, it was a, a horrible first week for Christmas because if you remember, like there was that whole night one thing with Paul where she was nominated 
And then she ended up getting nominated again by Cody because he couldn't nominate Paul. So she nearly was evicted at that first eviction. And then she broke her foot. And also, like, it's got to be crazy. You know, as you said, she's like, I think her career is like fitness uh, entrepreneur. And so she broke her foot. And there was a very realistic possibility of like her career outside the house would be over on top of her taking meds to help the pain subside on top of the pressures of the big brother house. So we got also got a very emotionally volatile Christmas. Not a lot uh, of people get a chance to play big brother on painkillers. Uh, no, uh, I mean, only a couple people. Uh, and when they do, uh, they certainly have a good time and then sometimes a very bad time. And that's what <laughs> it, may, may not, it may not be an exact, exactly an advantage. Yeah, um, well, that's the thing but, is that uh, I think Christmas felt just very emotional. And I think, you know, maybe she would, she feels like she's an emotional person in general, but I think she would definitely tell you that she did not necessarily behave the way that maybe she thought uh, just with all the outside circumstances. She also had broken off an engagement shortly mm-hmm. before going into the house that she ended up, you know, she would have gotten married on a day that she ended up celebrating in the house, which I can imagine is a bit torrid. Uh, but she was, you know, part of Paul's minions for lack of a better term. She uh, was his right hand or right foot person who really stuck loyal to him to the point where she would like butt into arguments and really yell at and demean people and it really was not a good look for her. So I think yeah. from a popularity perspective, people are not very happy to see her back. I think from a like an arc-based or story perspective, I do see the value in that. And that, like you said, it's not like she got voted out immediately and, and broke her foot. It's not like, oh, when these people get medevaced on Survivor and then they get a chance to come back because they, they lost out on their potential. She made it all the way to final three. But I think that we're all at least a little intrigued to see like, okay, if Christmas does want to play this physical game and she has the ability to, what is she going to do? And like, will, you know, crazy Christmas come out when she is not so medically and emotionally influenced? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be an interesting wild card because again, that's someone who we didn't see in season 19. Yeah, um, I, I think that, you know, for all the, uh, you know, fans may not care for her, uh, but I, I feel like she's going to do very well in the game. Like, first of all, she's a very physical person, as long as that doesn't become like a reason to get her out of the game immediately. Right. I think that's going to work in her favor because you want allies who can win HOH. You, you want to keep the power on your side. So I think that could really work in her favor. Plus, I, I will say that um, a lot of the people who are in the house, uh, aside from her, uh, would probably get along with her very well socially. I mean, just take a look at Tyler, for example. Like, mm. basically, Angela is the season 20 version of Christmas. Like, they're, they're very similar people in mm. the sense, you know, they're both, like, super athletic. And they're both, like, very, like, alpha female types. Um, so, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of different people that she could, she could possibly work with here. Um, and being able to win stuff is the best way to keep your, your, yourself in the house. Um, being able to do, get, win a veto and get yourself off the block if, if you need to. So I, I do think her physicality is going to get her in trouble though, because if you just look at the house, like obviously it's some more older people and stuff. There aren't a ton of physical people that you can say are physical threats, sure. like especially outside of what, like Cody and, um, like as the guys and stuff so girl wise she's probably the best you know janelle's still a comp beast and everything so but just physical wise i think christmas that could get her in some trouble but i really am interested to see just her evolution you know like Mm. she i'm not the most excited to see her come back but if she can she doesn't have a a huge bar to get over to be better than she was before and everything so i am interested to see like will she take more control of her game will or will she just go back and you know be a minion again and just be super loyal and you know not play her own game so that gives her some interest for this season in my opinion very interested to see what happens without paul um, because mm. 19 would be very different without paul um, all right 
Uh, one more person in this group of four uh, is uh, Devon, Devon Rogers. Uh, like I said, one of my personal favorites. I, I think she is fantastic. Uh, I could watch her on TV all day. Uh, she was in Big Brother 17, uh, voted out week two, I believe, mm -hmm. in, in Big Brother 17. So we did not get a lot of her, uh, but she is so spectacular in those two weeks that she was brought back for 18, uh, got into a, a little bit of trouble with her alliance, uh, got, got backstabbed, unfortunately, and uh, went out uh, right around the jury phase uh, in, in Big Brother 18. So she is not uh, in, a, in a cast full of people who either won or made it to second place or third place. She is not that. Um, but she is for sure an all-star, and I cannot wait to see her play. Yeah, Devon is one of my favorite like character contestants. She is like a confessional queen. She does it in the way that you know, Big Brother, especially Modern Big Brother, tends to go a bit OTT, and especially when you are not like as media trained with being very scripted or loud uh, when trying to explain competitions. But Devon is just so natural i think that also helps that she got it honed in on the challenge which uh, as lance mentioned so she showed up in two consecutive seasons of the challenge as well and was a big character in both of those as well davon is so interesting to me because i feel like she is someone who has like the tools to do well on big brother but previously did not have the training to do mm. well like she had everything laid out in front of her and she's like okay what do i do and as a result she's she used like a, a hammer to screw something in you know, like her, she has great skills of perception. She was the one to really finger that twin twist that happened in season 17. Uh, and, you know, she was also someone who was able to get in really well with a bunch of people in season 18. But the problem was in both situations, it was sort of like she would do one thing that really ended up hurting her. For her, it was in 17, it was her telling everybody about the twin twist. She chose mm -hmm. not to necessarily weaponize that information. And as a result, everyone's like, wow, Davon's super observant. Let's get rid of her ASAP. And then in 18, you know, as you said, she got into a bit of a drama with Frank and with Tiffany Russo. And then there was that one infamous thing where she got offered essentially to be a fifth person in an alliance of two couples and said no. Mm. And as a result, they were just like, okay, fine. If we don't need you, we're going to get rid of you. That being said, I'm hopeful that the challenge has not only, uh, you know, been able to sharpen her physical prowess, obviously, considering how like CrossFit to the extreme those challenges are, but also politically as well and that you know while the challenge does go on for a short portion of time there is a bit of a long game to it as well right of like i don't want i'm gonna make sure i don't piss off this person in the short term and in the long term because there's a chance i'm going to see them next season and so my hope and thought is that day is now no has that training and then coupled with the tools that she has she's now going to be able to like have a, a kick-ass big brother game yeah. Uh, now, you brought up the challenge. Lance, I know you're a challenge super fan. Uh, you've watched Devon on the challenge. What, 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 what kind of insight can you tell me, uh, having seen her on the challenge? Well, I think Mike really nailed it, that yeah. she is just going to learn so much from all these experiences and stuff. She, was, she had all these tools, just didn't know how to use it and stuff. And I think the challenge really helped. And I think it just, she comes into the, everyone that comes into the challenge new comes in at the bottom. And you learn so much from that and stuff. And she already had that kind of experience and everything. So she's one of those people obviously excited to see her come back. I'm not sure if she's going to win, but I'm excited to see what memes come out of her mm -hmm. being in the house. She is a very memeable person. Uh, I, I, she, she, I, I think she's the type of person who's going to do better every time that she's on. Uh, I think she is going to finish better this year uh, than she did in 18. Uh, I don't know that she's a winner, but I think she could go pretty far. 
And, uh, you know, an awful lot of Big Brother just comes down to who's winning the competitions in those final weeks. And if she can do it, she can win. Because um, yeah, I, I feel like she, like... Can get, she can get far enough to get to that point where mm -hmm. you've got to win to make it to the end. Yeah, she feels like somebody who will make it to, like, the midpoint of the game. And then everyone's going to be like, holy crap, if she gets to the final, she's going to win. And she is just – she's going to, like, turn into this huge thread. And I, I can just see the house turning on her at that point. Yeah. Um, talking about huge threats, let's start, uh, let's start moving on to the, uh, the, the guys, the next group of four here. Uh, the first uh, male Big Brother contestant we are introduced to is uh, certainly no surprise. Uh, if you were doing an all-star season, you'd expect to see him on there. From season 20, uh, the guy that some people think should have won, uh, Tyler, Tyler Crispin from Big Brother 20, uh, second place finisher, uh, close second to Casey Clark. Um, he is, he's back for a second try. Uh, and we got uh, a lot in his package about why he didn't quite win. Um, he had uh, quite the uh, Big Brother 20 story where uh, he got into fights with just one too many people. Uh, and it really kind of came back to bite him in the ass. And he, he, he wrote, what, what did he, he wrote ha too many checks he couldn't keep. Um, I, I'm, yeah, not, that, I'm not sure. It's, it's not a good sign when like you're, you're the owner of a jewelry company and you don't know the exact phrasing when it comes to writing checks. So I don't know if people really write checks <laughs> nowadays, right? Especially if you're a millennial jewelry company owner that primarily does stuff through Etsy or whatever. Right. That's right. You, you pay, you pay Palum some Bitcoin or something. That's how it's done <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I, uh, I sent a, sent a request that I did not uh, verify or something through quick pay with Zelle or whatever it is. I, I'm really excited to see Tyler back. Uh, yeah. I think that, you know, Big Brother 20 was really Tyler's season. Uh, even though there was a lot of great characters in it, what he was able to do, especially in those first couple weeks, was so, I'm still so particularly impressed with what he was able to do in week two, which was to convince Caitlin to backdoor her own ally. Fantastic gameplay. Which Fantastic. is one of the most phenomenal pieces of modern gameplay that I've seen. And it's interesting that he sort of colored, I don't know if it was him or a producer that really colored his game and like, well, I made too many promises and had to break them. Because I don't know, when you look at the jury breakdown, I mean, he betrayed Brett and Brett voted for him. Sure. Uh, you know, he betrayed Haley and Haley voted for him. I'm, Bailey, I could understand, and Sam. But I think Sam was so checked out at that point that he's just like, I can't go to the end with her. I can't rely on her. I think what Tyler's game came down to was that I think he was too emotional in his end game more so i mean he was literally falling in love with someone and it sort of clattered him to the point where he's like yeah i want to take her to the end but he very memorably i still was was a bit aghast when he told me in my exit interview with him after the big brother 20 finale that he threw the final four veto uh because he did not want to make a decision between casey and angela <sighs> and that's that's just like crazy to me that again this guy who was such a hard gamer from the gate nearly ended his season by being like, I couldn't decide between my girlfriend and my best friend, so I threw the most powerful veto in the season. Uh, so my hope is that with not playing the game with hopefully, knock on wood, uh, someone for him to th fall fall in love with, that he will be able to like stick with that game mentality. But like he said, I think the big danger is that now he has a heavy level of distrust going in. Because people are going to be like, this is the guy that was able to underplay his whole surfer bro dynamic in his first season. What is he selling me on this time? Yeah, uh, he has a very, like, he does have a very, like, there's a certain 
charisma that he does have. Like he is kind of like, he, he doesn't take himself seriously in some of the ways some of the other people do, do and that, that kind of disarms you a little bit. But like you said, he's great at playing the game. So don't, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. What do you, what's your I take wish, on him, Lance? I wish he showed that charisma when we interviewed him. <laughs> last year oh, oh lance you're gonna you know how are we how are we ever gonna get him as a guest this this season i guess we're not now. gonna get angela darn this it one, but darn it. uh he's one of those guys uh that i'm really interested to see how his game changes because i don't think he can just do what he did in the in his previous yeah, season totally. and stuff and he might be trying to do it again uh but he was one of those people just from the first episode, he really stood out for not standing out. He felt like a guy who just kind of faded into the background. So I'm really interested to see, does, is he a guy that can take control of the house or is he kind of float a little bit? Does he fade into the background and stuff? And, uh, you know, on his fit, he looked really good with the stripes. I'm not usually a stripe guy, but I liked his whole fit coming into the house and everything. It looked pretty good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, certainly someone. Uh, certainly someone to keep your eye on. Uh, you know, he is the the type of person I think who could go very far. I think he's gonna wind up uh, having a lot more in common with the more recent people who have played um, than they just. You know, just as, as in life, you know, that they, yeah. they just seem like they'd be hanging out with each other at a bar somewhere with the, you know, the, right. some of the more recent uh, contestants than with, uh, say, you know, your Danny or your Kevin's. Um, but, uh, but yeah, let's, let's keep an eye on him and let's move on and talk about our next, uh, of the male contestants. And that is your season 14 winner, Ian Terry. Ian is back. Uh, this is a, uh, this is another fantastic, uh, another fantastic get for fans here. Yeah. And I'm so happy about it. I don't know why I thought for some time that Ian wouldn't want to go back to play. I think maybe I just sort of has have been conditioned with this idea of like, super fans get disillusioned with the show even after they win it but he's almost like the adam klein of big brother in a way where like he was this super young kid who was just an uber fan of the game came in uh didn't necessarily have like any big moves to his name he was more so known for like become being a weapon in the beginning used by other players and then just going on this extremely impressive competition run i think mm -hmm. like in the seven rounds from like final nine until final two i think he was safe in like six out of the seven of them Ooh. like he either won hoh or veto back to back to back to back which is crazy to me and I, it's something that people not not a lot of people remember about ian I think people more so think about him as like kind of the uh the quirky dweeb more so than like a legitimate competition person but that being said a lot has changed about ian ian was super awkward when he came in the first time, but he has found a lot of self-confidence. You know, he went from an engineering student to a teacher to, I think he's a management consultant now is what we saw in his package. And like, he looks much more well put together as a person. So I'm excited to see what this Ian's going to do. Again, if we're talking about people like Danny who have undergone life changes since, since being on Big Brother, Ian's in there as well. He might not be married or has a kid, but he is a fundamentally different person than he was back in 2012. Yeah, I mean, you talk about being awkward on fourteen, and, and he was almost one, uh, one of the first people, first people yeah. out. I mean, unfortunately, we're, we're first person not out with for Jody. Yeah, but. we're we're not for Mike Boogie winning that yeah, competition. Safe. He he could have been nominated by Willie Hans and evicted in that first week. Yeah, um, and you know, he's, great job, he's, Boogie. I wonder what he's up to. Oh boy, <laughs> don't, don't ask questions. <laughs> the you last don't good learn thing Mike Boogie did. <laughs> don't don't ask. Don't ask. Don't ask. Um, no, uh, Ian, Ian's thing is that he's smart. He is so damn smart and uh, you know, he's smart and Ian was so smart that 
Ian-like characters who showed up in the seasons after Ian played were like, ah, oh, that guy's going to be just like Ian. He's going to be trouble. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of like a, that's an impressive legacy to leave. Uh, but I, I think that may wind up hurting him a little bit here because, like, you can't not be Ian. Like, you know what you're getting with Ian. He's a smart guy uh, who knows the game, and he's a big fan of the game. To the point where, you know, he comes – and I, I'm so intrigued to already hear from him about, you know, he comes in being like, all right, I'm just going to go to sleep the first half of the game, lay low, and then I'll turn it on and win competitions. Cut to him being one of the two guys to win his heat in that table maze. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good good job. But, I, initially, uh, I really like that idea for his strategy, though, because he is – so, can be such an under the radar guy just because there are so many other threats out there. Cause I mean, it's great players and everything. So I kind of really just want to see how that plays out. And if he sticks to it, he obviously didn't stick to it too hard in the, in our first episode and everything, but I'm happy to, to see him and just to see how much he's changed since, like you guys said, since his first season and stuff. And he just is so interesting because he's 30 going on 50. Like the guy yeah. just looks like he's going through a midlife crisis. A little already. bit of gray. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. listen, I'm I'm uh, I'm turning 31 in a couple of weeks, and I have like the Mr. Fantastic white streak starting to show up on my <laughs> sideburns. Like, I'm not going to knock anybody for a gray streak in there. Plus, like, I value the teachers in America so so much that I I can't not assume that those kids partially sent him to oh, uh, some, some early gray hair. He pulled off the salt and pepper look too, so it yeah. looks good. You just need a couple of chemicals, and it can look however you want it to look. It's yeah, good. maybe one day he'll be able to like get bored and like convince Janelle to like dye his hair or something in the house. He wins if he wins H O H, he can get a little bit of just for men in the basket. Uh, <laughs> put that in there. Put that in there. Uh, okay, so I want to I want to talk about someone who. Um, I, I maybe not going into the season. He's someone that you would you'd say like, oh yeah, all star got to have him on there. But uh, the moment I heard he was going to be a part of this. I got very excited. Uh, Kevin, Kevin from Big yes. Brother 11. Uh, now, um, as, a, I, 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 as a gay person myself, I am always on the lookout for uh, the one gay character we seem to get each and every year. <laughs> uh, it's like a formula. Uh, so uh, I was wondering, like, who would it be? Like, who would mm -hmm. it be? Would it be, would it be Frankie? Would it be uh, maybe like uh, uh, Jason from Big Brother or, 17 or has come back a couple times. Tommy, that's a, a great choice. Could have been Tommy. Uh, and it was, it's Kevin from Big Brother 11. Uh, it's a little bit of a deeper cut because we're talking about 11 years ago now. Uh, but uh, his claim to fame, uh, he almost won the damn game. Uh, he made it super far. Um, uh, you know, if he wins that final HOH, uh, he's going to win some money. Uh, and he just kind of, he drops a, what was it, a double tiebreaker, right? Mm -hmm. um and, and it's just it's it's heart it's heartbreaking uh because uh not just that he loses but that kind of sends the jeff and jordan train going even faster uh he says his claim to fame is uh being the guy who got rid of fan favorite big jeff but you know what i want to say that uh he uh he got rid of big jeff before getting rid of big jeff was cool uh, well, listen, was, I think him and Danny can bond over. Uh, I mean, Danny did not immediately get rid of Big Jeff, but Big Jeff ran out right after her and she was definitely against her. So they can bond over that. I'm so excited to see Kevin. Kevin is sort of like, it's sort of like when they got like uh, Yule for Survivor Winners at War of like, you are someone who realistically I always wanted to see play again, but never thought I would for one reason right. or another, because I think that season one is not a particularly well-regarded season. Uh, you know, it did have a bit of like the cultiness of the friendship involved with like some rather controversial moments as well. But Kevin was someone who I always really admired. I mean, let's remember, this is a guy who was part of an alliance uh, helmed by Jesse, Mr. Spectacular, that ran the first four weeks. Then the coup d'etat, unfortunately, while it did pay off on a big shot and Freud moment at the time, one of the most unfair twists in the history of the show, gets rid of Jesse, 
Shima gets expelled. Lydia, his best friend, goes out after him. And so he loses three allies in a row. And somehow him and Natalie, the two people left, become two of the top three. And that's due to some choice competition wins on top of being able to drop some very, very choice lies. Kevin, as he sort of talks about when Julie asks him, like, what would you do to get to the final two? He is so cutthroat. And, you know, I think you'd say on one hand that that's going to be an advantage for him because, like, nobody remembers his season. But when we get to into live feeds, I guess the other edge of that sword is if people don't watch your season, they might just be a very wary of you because they think, like, well, I don't know who this person is. Uh, but, I mean, Kevin, I think of all these people, seem like the most hungry, probably because he has sat on this for so long. Yeah, and I, I love that he's doing it to, to start a family. Like, I, I love that package of his. Uh, I will say, though, he looked really, like, of, of most of the people going in, like, I'd say he was the most or one of the most nervous-looking folks to, like, mm. finally get a chance at, at Big Brother. Uh, he was, like, very, very anxious. Uh, so I'm very curious to see what that's going to translate into his game, whether he's going to have, like, a very nervous and awkward game, because I, 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 that's not the week one I want for him. Um, so uh, I'm very excited to see those... him back. He's one of those guys where I want, he's the second chance I want to see. I would just want right. to see how, how that's changed and everything. And he was so fun to watch in his original season. And, you know, he might start off a little slow and stuff, but if he can kind of survive this first week, I'm really interested to see what he can do in the house. Yeah, he's got, uh, he's got a lot. There are a couple of really great moments uh, from, from him on Big Brother 11. Uh, the, uh, if you want to say, uh, uh, before we had Dan's funeral, we had Jesse's funeral. And oh uh, that's some of his best work there. Uh, <laughs> just, just sitting there, just misery, while uh, everyone else talks about what a wonderful person Jesse was. Uh, anyway, um, uh, one, 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 one more, more uh, guy on this, uh, this group of four here uh, is, uh, is another uh, deeper cut from 10 years ago. Uh, a a mount, member of the brigade from season 12. It's Enzo. Enzo is back. The meow meow. Um, who similarly uh, it was a final, final three finisher. Um, had a super dominant alliance and just kind of got smoked by a couple of uh, athletic bros in the end. Yeah, I mean, so Enzo's legacy is he was sort of the architect of the brigade, which really was like one of the, I mean, the, the interesting part about this cast also is that a lot of them were part of like big secret alliances, right? Like we have the brigade, we have the renegades, uh, we have the hitmen. Like a lot of these people were able to successfully be able to uh, very, you know, hide behind the scenes and run things. Now, was Enzo making a lot of decisions for the brigade? No, but he was able to bring everyone together to put himself in a position of safety to the point where I believe he was, I think, the last person from his alliance to be nominated for eviction. And, right. and that does say something. Uh, and so, you know, he only did win one competition in his season, but it looks like out of everyone, he is someone who like, you know, we saw Danny lift some weights a bit, but it looks like he just looks so much more in shape. Dang, right? Sort of like the, the big daddy Guido in season 12 so i'm i'm excited for him because again if these competitions are as physical as they've been the past couple seasons i agree with lance that things might favor more of a cody or a uh, cody or a tyler or a christmas but hopefully enzo shows that you know he can he can you know keep in shape with everybody else because i think he's also someone who wants to go in and prove that like i'm not just going to be the guy who sits back the entire summer and coasts on the lines i want to like do things and have uh competition wins on my name 
Yep. Well, as a, uh, a New Jersey and myself, it's all about the gym tan laundry, right? And uh, he has the gym part, gym part down. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't have the tan part myself because I've been inside <laughs> since March. Oh, um, I can't tan, so you're good. Freckle only. Part of your charm, I'm, Lance. Jim I'm Freckle really, Lante. I'm, uh, I'm really excited for Enzo. Like, even if he doesn't become a challenge beast or even a little better, even though he probably will do a little better because he's more physical. He's just pure entertainment. He's going to add mm. so much to the game yes. that it's just going to be a lot more fun with him in the house. And, and so I think, I'm just, I'm just yeah. interested to see that. Yeah, and I think that's, and I think that's going to help keep him around for a long time. I yeah, think the fact the that he is down. fun and enjoyable mm. uh, is, is going gonna, is gonna to be a really big benefit to his game. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to see how far he goes. Um, so believe it or not, we are halfway done with this cast. Like we've been going on forever. Uh, so I want to take a quick break, but we have so many more people to talk about. And we're going to do that right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we are we are back, and uh, we are we are ready to talk about the next group of four of the Big Brother Twenty Two All Stars. Um, let's let's do it. The uh, the third group that entered the house uh, was uh, the group of women that uh, starts with Janelle, Janelle from season six, from season seven, and from season fourteen, coming back for a fourth time, fourth time. You got to write uh, that time at the uh, at the uh, always. Always the big brother bridesmaid, never the bride, right? Uh, what do we, uh, first of all, like, how can you not be excited about Janelle, right? Yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing is, I think some people might have thought for a while, like, oh, we're, you know, played out on Janelle. But to make a survivor comparison, she is sort of like the Boston Rob slash Sari uh, big brother in that she is like one of the pivotal characters. You, nobody who has ever competed on big brother will ever reach the height of popularity that Janelle Pierzina reached in the two years of Big Brother 6 and Big Brother 7. It was unfathomable just how much people were rooting for her, whether she was an underdog or even like starting the game off in Big Brother 7 when she wasn't necessarily one. Uh, she was just somebody who found herself in situations where her back was against the wall and she scrapped with each and every part of her and it got her to the final three twice. I think in season 14... She struggled a bit. I mean, I would say she wasn't given exactly a fair shake when the coaches entered the game because Boogie and Dan were immediately like, all right, let's get her out of here immediately because you know she's a big thing. But she also wasn't necessarily like the best coach in really keeping everyone together and uh, supporting her uh, to the point where like one of her closest friends, Danielle, ends up backdooring her and getting rid of her. But I'm always going to be excited to see Janelle back. I think she is a super fun character. I do worry, again, with modern day competitions how janelle is going to do with them because janelle's a competition beast she has the record for most in a season with nine in big brother all-stars but the competitions now have much have become less sit in a you know with flowers petals dripping on your head and count to a thousand versus now is like you know run back and forth 300 times tilting a ball along the way i i don't know if that's going to translate 
but I'm just excited. I mean, not to get spoiled the live feeds, but Janelle has already been giving us so much fantastic tea. Oh, sure. Like, sure. say what you want to about her as a strategist or even as a physical competitor, but even just as a character, she delivers, in my opinion. Yeah, she is like the she's like the full Big Brother package. Like, if you think of like what makes a good Big Brother player, what makes a memorable Big Brother player, what just makes a person get casted on Big Brother, right? Mm. She has got she has got the looks. She has got the brains. She has got. She is she and she is fantastic on television. Like there are so many uh, like iconic moments from Janelle. Yeah. I mean, whether it's uh, the bye bye bitches that she drops in in season six, um, you know, it, 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 you know, we're gonna get we're gonna get gold out of yeah. we're gonna get gold out of her this season for sure. Though I um, will say, uh, I was surprised. I felt like she was the most stiff in her package. Hmm. Like everyone else seemed like pretty okay. Cause again, they're, I think they're up uh, they're they're used to at this point, but Janelle was like surprisingly, maybe it's just like the real estate persona of her being like, I'm Janelle from big brother six, seven and 14. And I'm here to, you know, I'm here to move into another house after selling this one. Like it felt a little inauthentic, but again, like that visage came down as soon as she entered the house. So I wasn't too worried about it. Yeah. Um, she's I mean she's one of the big gets of the season like just yeah. getting her just elevates the season already and it feels like an all-star season because of her I really love the Sari comparison she feels exactly like that I would love just love to see her win I'm just so worried because like you said she's iconic in the big brother game that she is just gonna be a, just a threat from the jump especially with Kaser in the house too it's mm. it really just puts her at a disadvantage but she is she's just an amazing character she's so fun to watch yeah, I can't, can't, cannot wait, cannot wait for my, for my next iconic Janelle moment. Uh, probably going to be on the yeah, Sunday show. And would you be surprised if you look at Joker's updates and see that she is number one with a bullet in the popularity polls already? I cannot more, imagine anyone else yeah, being number one. The more things sure. change, the more they stay the same when it comes to Big Brother <laughs> popularity polls. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was so popular, she cameoed in Entourage back in the day. Oh my God! That. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. she is. Uh, she is not one to say no to a CBS reality TV show. She's done a bunch. She's been on Amazing Race recently. Mm-hmm. She's she's in it, and she's in it to win it. And I can't wait to see. She uh, still right. got it. All right, talking about uh, someone who still got it. Uh, uh, another uh, a challenge competitor here, Lance uh, from season twenty. Uh, we have Bailey, uh, Bailey Dayton, uh, without Swaggy. Uh, we get a Bailey only season. Um, I, I'm really, again, I'm, I know you're a big fan of the challenge, Lance, and, uh, she was just on this past season, uh, and a lot of, a lot of drama, like, what can you, what can you tell me about her as a competitor, Lance? I mean, she's fiery, so mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give her that, so, uh, I really do, I'm interested to see Bailey without Swaggy, I think that's the most interesting mm, part yep. of all this and stuff, the one thing I am a little disappointed in is Casey not being on there, because the Bailey-Casey drama from the yeah. previous season of the challenge, that carrying over to the house, I found to be one of the more interesting storylines and stuff. So I'm a little disappointed in that, but she she's just a wild card to me. She could be somebody who goes really far. Or she could just, you know, go off on somebody and be like the first person evicted. So I'm really, really interested to see just how her game transpires without a swaggy in there. Yeah, I think from an entertainment perspective, it would have been great to see Casey in there or Josh, who she and Swaggy, yeah. swaggy also feuded with before her game she should thank her lucky stars and neither one of them are in there because oh yeah she is someone who can easily you know her she does go in with tyler but her and tyler are great on the outside of the house which might surprise some people considering the again the flashback we saw was her spewing blood out of her mouth that she screamed at him for the whole hacker thing uh but i i think that you know it's water under the bridge for her so she is someone who i think 
some people might have thought initially just because of her, you know, bigger personality and maybe some some bad blood coming in, she might easily get targeted first. But she really benefits from not having those enemies in the house. And the one enemy she had is cool with her. I think she's someone who can easily slip under the radar in these first few weeks. And as long as she is able to like maintain, you know, that pageanty uh, composure, be able to get through. I also think that she has grown up a bit. Uh, you know, I believe she lived at home in her first season. Now she's like married. She's done the challenge. She's moved out to LA. So I think she would say she's matured quite a lot. And I do think that comports herself in a different type of person coming into this situation. Though, like Lance says, the Big Brother house brings out a lot in people. So we'll see if she holds to that. I just feel like she's a masochist too. You go from the bunker in the challenge and now to this like does she just not like being outside or something yeah it's i mean just... Just, though i think that bunker despite the uh, the lack of outdoor time i think its conditions were a bit exasperated consider uh, exacerbated consider like that whole training compound that they had with like the commissary did not look terrible to what we were initially introduced to of, like you're living in a gulag for the next three months yeah. on the challenge it's yeah. just, I think when you go on the challenge, you're like this, I'm going into this beautiful house on the beach. And then you're like, I'm going in an underground bunker with like recycled air. Yeah, I will say that she, uh, so she was, like we said, she was on this most recent season, uh, paired up with Swaggy. Uh, I was really impressed. Uh, first of all, she uh, was winning competitions. Uh, Swaggy was not, whenever Swaggy was in power, it was because Bailey was in power. Uh, Bailey uh, navigated uh, a couple tricky situations, made it to the finale. Uh, didn't complete the final challenge, uh, had a, a little bit of a foot issue. Yeah, um, well, I think she tore her ACL or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a... Wow, was it ACL? Damn. That's, I yeah, mean, that's it, a challenge it, for you. It is but, so But apparently, because that filmed, like, I think in the fall or something, apparently she's fine now. So hopefully that means that she'll be able to, again, bring that fight to the the, the competitions, too. Yeah. As a but, sports fan, though, I know that tearing an ACL, you're not the back to your old self for two years. So competition-wise, that could be something. It, it could be. It could be. Um, but I really like what I saw out of her. I, I think she is uh, kind of finding herself a little bit better socially. Uh, not having Swaggy there is going to be the best thing for her game. Uh, she just got so caught up with that. Um, and I think if you want to take a look at those two, I think she's the real superstar in that pairing. Like she is the person who's going to do better at Big Brother every mm -hmm. time. She's the person who's going to win more competitions. She's the person who's most likely to win. I think the only thing that she's really got to work out for, and this is something that she said herself on the challenge, that she really has two speeds where she's either really angry and yelling at people or just like super withdrawn. Yeah. Um, whenever she gets into a, a confrontation and, and neither of those are often like great uh, ways yeah. to manage it. Um, so, um, you know, she knows it's an issue and she knows it's something that she, and she's got that self-awareness. So that's the first she's step missing, about doing something. She's missing that. one more thing though. She's missing a shirt with her name on it. <laughs> Just well, wait. I, well, <laughs> we'll see how much, because well, I think in the, in the challenge, right, her and Swaggy infamously had the blanket with their own faces on it. So yeah. I don't know if that would, if they were able to make that into the house. It was a, it was a blanket with their pictures on it. And one of the pictures was a picture of them wearing a shirt with their picture on it. It was uh, my God, the, that's like inception. That's like the, the fun house mirrors. Yeah. And uh, I did, I, you know, I, we call it a live speed spoiler if you want, I'm sorry for saying it, but I did hear Bailey say the other night that if she does win HOH at some point, she wants in her basket, the Swaley blanket. She wants the blanket in the house. So bring it. We'll, Gotta we'll give people what they want. Something, something to look forward to with that HOH, right? Um, all right. Uh, so, uh, so moving on here, uh, let's talk about uh, another fan favorite, uh, the ultimate fan favorite from Big Brother 21. Uh, Nicole Anthony is back on the show. 
uh, Nicole, fellow podcaster, Nicole Anthony, uh, on the show. I, I enjoyed seeing her podcast set up. Yeah. Uh, Nicole. Yeah, is that how you guys used to do when you were able to podcast together? You just sat in separate corners of the room and would talk into the computer at one another? Yeah. Un- unfortunately, I had to look at him when I was talking to him. In, in my contract, Lance always has to have his back to the camera whenever I'm on screen. So that's, that's, how, my, that's how my package goes. Um, but, uh, but no, by the way, kudos to Nicole, who apparently recorded like like 30 podcast episodes to just like have going on while she's stuck in sequester to keep this fiction going on that she's not going to be on the season uh, and a, a recipe for potato that, salad but... nonetheless i know that is a deeply held family secret yeah but she i mean that's that's like going above and beyond like that's because that's just because she she cares she loves the fans and the mm. fans love her um and she respects the that, game is that going to come up as a thing in this season because i you know it's big brother Big Brother always winds up giving some kind of power or benefit to people who are liked by America. Uh, it's just kind of part of the game. So is that a problem for her? Yeah, I mean, Nicole, I'd say Nicole is like one of the top five humans to ever play Big Brother. Like yeah. she just seems like an incredible person, like so, so nice, nice. So such nice. a humanitarian, so empathetic, so sympathetic. Uh, like she was, I know people might say that she was a standout among what arguably might not be a very likable cast across the board, but I just feel like compared to others, even she's just an extremely great person. I guess the question is, is she an extremely great player as well? I mean, I think she had one of the most compelling underdog stories we've had in the past few seasons where, you know, she nearly goes out in the beginning. Cause there's that absolutely terrible whole storyline where, you know, Bella, rats her out and then the whole grateful alliance celebrating and like you know berating the shit out of her and then nick calling her a sociopath and then she nearly goes there instead of cliff but she's able to rally so much you know she's able to uh dig herself underneath so that when the grateful alliance goes after each other like she's picked up as a number and then she makes a deal with jackson and holly that yes arguably going to the final three with them is not a fantastic move but it was able to get her a lot further than maybe if she hadn't done that so I think she has some skills. I'm just intrigued to see, you know, what's going to happen if she's not in a situation where she is immediately on the out. Sort of, again, like like Nicole Franzel, ironically enough, when she gets a little bit of rope, a little bit of leeway in the game, a little bit of power, what is she going to do with that? Because another thing as well, I don't think Nicole wasn't picked to play in the veto and didn't, like, win a veto until, like, the final five or something. So, like, if she wins an early HOH here, I'm very intrigued to see what she does. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally with you. I think that makes a ton of sense. She kind of reminds me of like a Kelly Wentworth in Survivor where mm. she might just be better from the bottom and stuff. So I, if she does have some power, I'm re- really interested to see how her game is so much different because she was just like perpetual bottom last season. So that's really my main thing. There's not much more to add because we did see her last season. It's just fun to see her again and give her given a second life, really. Yeah, I just hope that 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 social game part doesn't is not going to be her Achilles heel again, uh, where it, it seemed like that she does get along with people, but it's usually mm-hmm. just a small fraction of the people in the house. Like she has a lot in common with, say, your, your cliffs in the house. Uh, but she's probably not going to have an awful lot in common with the jacks of the house. Yeah, um, is she going to be cold blooded enough to, you know, stab somebody in the back or make a move that gets her to that yeah, extra I mean, she week. she was the person who won the veto and took the shot at Christie in uh, the double eviction. Right. So I think she has those capabilities, but I wonder if she has to wait until a certain point. But I also do wonder, like, I think a lot of people like her, but how much is that going to translate to being brought into an alliance? 
you know, because I feel like especially with this cast, which might be more game heavy because they're all stars, mm -hmm. there's a difference between like, hey, I like to talk with you versus, hey, I like to talk with you and I'd like to work with you as well. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to, I mean, she can, she's not someone that you know is like associated with winning HOHs and winning vetoes. And in that like early, like what does she bring to an alliance? Like she's a solid vote and she's a, she's going to be with you. If she's with you, she's with you. She's not going to be backstabbing you in the back. Like that's like, mm. you know that about her. Um, but you know, that's, well, that screw her though. Like there are some but, people that value that some people will weaponize that loyalty too. Yeah. So I expect her to find like a core group of people and to try to just kind of let the, whatever the grateful is of this season, uh, kind of like whittle itself down. Uh, hopefully they're the bigger people who are bigger targets than this, Nicole go at it. And then Nicole can kind of, uh, win in the end, which was kind of her, uh, big brother 21 path. So, uh, something to, something to keep at, keep an eye out for, uh, she is, uh, she is someone I, I know I, I'm very excited to see back. So hopefully just, she doesn't make the same mistake she made last time. Yeah. Uh, all right. So one more person in this group, uh, and uh, this is this is kind of like a, a last minute addition or someone who was not immediately in the first batch of rumored people. Uh, but uh, a lot of a lot of fans got super excited to hear the name. Uh, you know, you may know her from her famous birthday. It is Keisha. Uh, Keisha from season 10 is back. Uh, and uh, uh, again, like let me give me the give me the Keisha download. I mean, we all know about maybe we don't all know about uh, Keisha's birthday, uh, but it's one of the most uh, more epic uh, Big Brother fights in history. Uh, it's a fantastic. Just do a search on on YouTube and, and yeah. get a get watch the clip. It's fantastic. Um, what what do you what are your thoughts here on Keisha Mike Bloom? What what are, what can you tell me about her and her game? I mean, yeah, I'm essentially anyone who's coming back from seasons 10 and 11 and maybe arguably 12. I was just stunned to see it come back because, you know, I thought that Big Brother might. This is they've done this in the, in the very recent past of like, OK, we're going to bring back people. Let's bring somebody back from last season. Let's bring somebody back from two seasons ago. They're so uh, heavily focused on the recent seasons that I was stunned to see people from all the way back to season six. I believe actually everyone is representing a season from 6 to 21, with the exceptions of 9 and 15 uh, in this cast, which I think is fantastic in terms of if you're really looking to commemorate, you know, the 20-year history of Big Brother, like the season might incidentally do, that's a way to do that. So Keisha was somebody who found herself in the seat of power a good amount. She was part of an alliance early on called The Coven, with two other very strong women, Libra and April. And there was one of these fun things where like they got into fights and war of words constantly. That's what happened with the whole birthday thing was that, you know, two of them, Keisha and Libra were kind of like shit talking April. Jesse, the aforementioned Jesse, Mr. Spectacular, overheard, told April, and then everyone just started arguing with each other. And then they all sang like a really angry, piss poor, uh, unemotional version of happy birthday to Keisha over a cookie cake that was so sad, <laughs> but so wonderful. But so Keisha was working with, you know, April and Libra, and then April decides to make a move against someone we're going to be talking about very soon, Memphis, who's her friend. And Keisha says, no, I don't want that, and decides to make a move on one of her closest allies. So in the middle of the game, she completely flips and that's who she rides to the end of the game with, unaware that her BFF Memphis has now made a secret alliance with Dan. And that bears out in the end where her friend Memphis ends up cutting her at the final four. Mm -hmm. uh, and so basically she got, you know, 
was made big moves in the first half of the game and then was sort of led along in the second half of the game to the point where she was cut stunningly at the final four. But I mean, if you're talking about Janelle being the perfect package, Keisha is another one of them. She's willing to make huge moves. She has a good amount of competition prowess, especially back then in the big brother 10 era. And she's a personality as well. Again, Mm -hmm. she is someone who was definitely willing to start fights. So I was just so happily excited to see that she was going to come back. I have no idea what she's going to bring, especially since 12 years have passed, but it's exciting nonetheless. I will say that you, as well as everybody else in the house, has no idea what Keisha is going to bring because several people in the house have no idea who she is, um, which is kind of interesting. Like, it's, it's weird that, like, some of the, some of the all-stars don't know the other all-stars. Uh, she might wind up in a very similar place as, as Kevin uh, because of that. Because, like, mm. what, what do you get out of her? Like, I... Like a lot well, the of unknown is scarier know. than the known for the most part. So yeah, uh, what do you uh, think about Keisha, her? Lance? With Keisha, I'm, I'm with Mike on this one. Her personality is really what makes her so fascinating and stuff. And I feel like she's just gonna be live feed gold, especially with Janelle. It's gonna feel like like the Real Housewives of Big Brother, and it's just gonna be really, really awesome and stuff. So I'm interested to see that. Um, and just yeah, like for people to learn who she is, and hopefully you know she has a strong game and. I'm really interested to see how her dynamic with Memphis because of all that previous drama they had. Yeah. Um, all right. We are in the uh, we are in the home stretch here of our our cast reveal, our final group of four, uh, the last four guys here, uh, and uh, uh, another another great another great name that just gets fans all excited, and me too. Uh, what up, Kaser? Kaser's Bye. back. Kaser oh is God. back from Big Brother Six and Big Brother Seven. Uh, the only, uh, w- well, I won't say the only, but uh, one of the few all-stars here who has never made the jury, uh, but is still so Im- like iconic, uh, a Big Brother character. Yeah, I mean, if you know, I cannot exaggerate enough the uh, the popularity of Janelle. Kaser was right up there. Kaser was part of the first ever ability. People had returned from eviction beforehand, but in Big Brother Six, the first time America got to vote in someone, and I think with like eighty-two percent of the vote. Kaser was the one that voted so, in. That's so crazy because, like, you like you can't get 82% of Americans to agree on anything. Exactly. Like that but the they one agreed thing, on. And especially to have them agree on the first Muslim American Big Brother contestant was, like, the popular guy is crazy. And I think Kaser did a lot. And there's been a lot of absolutely incredible clips that have gone around very recently where, like, Kaser has talked about the reason why he went on to Big Brother and, like, having to show when is the time to stand up and represent minority communities. And I put him right up there with Cole Anthony as like one of the top five humans to ever play Big Brother. He just seems like an incredible guy and he's capable of some really fantastic gameplay. You know, he was the leader of the Sovereign Six Alliance. He had that incredible uh, scene in Big Brother Six where essentially his alliance had figured out the partner's twist where everyone came in with somebody that they knew. And, uh, you know, he's rigged this veto so that James went and he could backdoor Eric, aka Cappy, and Maggie. I remember came up to him and he's like, "Oh my God, I can't believe you did that. You sealed my fate." And Kaser just looks at her and says, "No, I sealed your partner's fate." And that like the trap door drops out from under her. She realizes that she's been busted. Maybe in retrospect, the move was to get rid of Maggie because uh, Maggie is the one who ends up playing a much more cutthroat game. Uh, the thing with Kaser and one of the reasons why he ended up finishing pre-jury both times and getting voted out on his birthday both times the exact same day is that he is somebody who like will do some really cool stuff, but that always puts his neck out there. Mm. You know, he'll win HOHs early on and he'll make these big calls, but that is as a result makes him enemies 
that is going to inevitably get him cut off very early. So my hope is that he can at least eke his way onto the jury this time. But if Kaser keeps dipping into that, it's super impressive to watch. Hmm. But as a player, you do not want that person long in that house. See, to me, he's the Yule of Big Brother. It's the same mm. thing where he's just so smart and he says all these things and then you're like, holy crap, this guy is just going to walk to the end if we let him do this stuff. He's just too smart for his own good. But I'm, he was another one of those big fish that I was just so excited for because Big Brother 6 was amazing. And what's funny is he was my favorite character in Big Brother 6. Then in All Stars, him versus Will really you know, yeah. divided me. I was not happy about that. So I'm just really happy to see Kaser back. But he, he's one of those guys that if he went out in the first week or two, I would not be surprised because he's just so good and he's so beloved. And if you are a fan of this show, you know Kaser. And that really hurts you in a game like this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm going to enjoy every second that he is around. You know, hopefully he can pull out some, you know, he is not necessarily uh, known for being a competition beast, even though he has won some competitions. So, uh, you know, hopefully he can uh, pull out some early wins here. Uh, and really kind of give him the footing in the game that he needs. Because, you know, if, if you can't go home, then you've got the opportunity to make those social bonds that you need to make. Uh, it's just manipulate. It's just cool to have, like, the nostalgia of, like, seeing Kaser and Janelle, like, talking yeah. game and stuff, too. It's amazing. That's really, it's really cool having them as a pair, for sure. Because that, that, that really is, like, one of the most infamous pairs in Big Brother Show, which is crazy because, again, they were not partnered up. They were not one of the pairs that came into the game, but they like sort of, because they they lost their partners in week one and week two, they sort of ended up finding each other as like this uh, miscellaneous couple platonically that I think is just such like one of the best friendships in Big Brother history. Well, if you want to talk about one of the, uh, another very famous pair uh, in Big Brother history uh, to uh, transition to, to our next uh, house guest here uh, from Big Brother 16, uh, Polly's brother, uh, Cody Calafiore. Oh God! Uh, please don't regard him as Polly's brother. <laughs> every he doesn't time, sink that low. Every no. So I, you know, I've been, had like live feeds running in the background, and I've watched the episode a few times. And every time I hear him speak, I see Polly in my head. Like if I'm oh, not no. looking at the TV, I think it's Polly talking. It's just, uh, it's it's quite the trip. Uh, but I will say that we probably have the uh, the more Big Brother capable uh Calafiore brother uh maybe I, I don't know uh Paulie kind of set is setting the world on fire on the challenge but uh Cody's back for a uh, second chance to write what went wrong uh where he uh he had that final decision uh took Derek to the end and lost to Derek uh he says he'd do it again uh that's Cody for you um but uh he he's himself. a se second chance here um, and uh, he's, uh, I mean, he's your first HOH, so he is uh, coming out of the gate strong here. But uh, talk to me about Cody, Mike. What do, we know, what do we know? What are we looking for out of Cody? Yeah, so I think to your point, I think the big ticket item that people remember Cody for is like Lance said, he wooed himself, he copied himself, he had the chance between like a guaranteed GOAT and a guaranteed GOAT, and he took the bigger player because he wanted to honor that deal and got pretty trounced in and when he would pretty much have won and the other time. But I think that is sort of invalidating Cody as a partner mm. here. Cause I feel like while Derek was extremely impressive in what he was able to do, it wouldn't have happened without Cody. Cody was someone who whether flirtatiously or not was able to make a lot of bonds with players to be able to keep the hitmen under wraps and keep people snowed and keep Derek protected at the same time. He's also 
athletic. I think he's one of the more athletic people in the cast. He's currently a soccer coach. So he has the ability to win competitions and he did quite a few in his season. I think he's all around a stronger player than people remember him. I think the issue comes with Cody. You know, if Derek was the brains, Cody was the heart in a manner of speaking, not that he was dumb, but that Cody, I think was the more emotional person. I'll always remember on the big brother 16 feeds when he said several times, like, all right, I'm going to call a house meeting and we're going to like, I'm going to really lay into them. And Derek would sort of talk him off the ledge a bit. You know, again, if you regard his brother, you know, the Califiore family are fiery in a manner of speaking. And so I will be intrigued to see without Derek, is Cody going to listen to his heart more? And is that going to cause him to maybe make some decisions that he wouldn't have if he had a wiser person in his ear telling him, no, go with the, you know, less emotional, more strategic route. Well, what do you think, Lance? Yeah, I think uh, I think he's by far the most physical threat in the house, and I think that just puts a huge, huge target on his back. So I understand him actually going for the win and everything, but I'm I'm just worried about him unless he can really get Tyler and maybe some other people on his side and stuff. I just think he just has too big of a target right now. But I'm interested to see him, especially without Derek and stuff. And does any of the poly drama? Because we have people who have played you know, with Polly on the mm. challenge and stuff, does that carry over too? Do they kind of hold yeah. that well, against him? I, or appara- apparently, I they, yeah, I mean, apparently Day and Polly are like great now. Like yeah. not, they didn't just make up. They're really, really great now. So I can imagine that he hooked them up. And I don't think Polly played with, Polly didn't play last season. So he didn't play with Bailey. And again, that's another right. way why having someone like Josh on this cast benefits someone like Cody. Cause that's someone who Polly feuded with a lot so he's able to benefit from the fact that he does not have any distinct enemies from either himself or his brother coming in yeah, yeah I, i'll say that cody is a lot less polarized uh, polarizing than uh, uh-huh. than polly uh he's uh but i think he is he does have like a very like a, a very like he is a good player socially like he and i think like you said like can he bring in like a player like tyler like they they seem yeah. like the kind of people who would work together fine like they seem like very similar yeah. people like i can but see you kind of have with, to and then you just yeah. win everything pretty much yeah i mean i can i can see him getting along with a lot of people in the house uh and and the question then becomes like is the fact that he is the biggest physical threat in the house uh gonna come back and bite him um but you know his his you know it's we've talked about it before last season about that first hoh and whether you want a gun for it uh you know he wants to stay safe and that's that's his plan so we'll we'll see how it we'll see how it turns out we'll we'll talk a lot more about that once we get into the spoilers here in just a moment but um cody cody back for uh back for a second shot uh okay uh next up on the list is a uh, another uh, i believe another one of the uh, last minute additions here but uh also from big brother 10 we have memphis uh memphis the uh the i believe he is the only zero vote finalist uh in in big brother history yeah i mean if you count ricky williams if you count celebrity okay. Big brother then yeah there, there's only been one we should unanimous count that vote. we should count yeah that. then there's only been two unanimous votes it's with tamar braxton and it's with dan geesling so memphis is the only civilian big brother us contestant to never receive a jury vote but he is not like he is definitely not the victoria that season like that is not no. why he is a zero vote finalist uh maybe dan was that damn good i mean dan is dan yeah, i mean that's what, that's what memphis said right he said that dan was playing chess and he was playing checkers which are both games in their own rights just one is more complicated than the other one uh-huh that's right. That's right. Um, so what are, what are we expecting out of Memphis here? Like, is, 
is he going to fall back into the same like pattern where he he's going to have a, a partner or what do you what do we think well, it's interesting because Memphis the first time was really on the outs early on. Uh, you know, he was he was in this alliance that basically got taken out one right after the other in the first three weeks, and he was primed to go in the fourth week. And I remember he graded very badly with the house gets initially. They thought he was like a schemer and a bit of a womanizer. In fact, Jerry yelled that at him uh, during one of the infamous oh, fights. Jerry. But he was able to, you know, rally due in part to his relationship with Keisha and also Dan helping as well. And from there, he was able to, you know, I think he's someone who came in without necessarily knowing what he was in for, stumbled in the beginning, but then once he was able to sort of get his feet under him, then was able to run. I would say he was probably a less active partner in the Renegades than maybe somebody like Cody, uh, where Dan was doing a lot of that big workload. But Memphis was still winning competitions, and he was still able to have social relationships. It's just that, and this was something that, again, gives Dan a lot of credit, he was able to weaponize those relationships to have Memphis get rid of them, so that when it came to being on the jury, everyone turned to Memphis and said, why did you vote me out? And he had no answer to it. And so uh, I'll be intrigued to see, you know, Memphis has grown up a lot. He has a child. Uh, I don't know how connected he is with the community, so he might be another big X factor that nobody knows. But he also has a very bro mentality. And if you're looking at, like, your Cody's and your Enzo's, those are the type of guys that you think he might fit in with. And depending on how long they stay in power, that could really help him. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's it's going to be a new Memphis. You know, he's a he's a daddy now uh, in every sense of the word. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's smuggled in some guns to the house. Uh, got a problem for those, buddy. Uh, he, he's looking, he looking fantastic, but uh, like all the all stars are looking fantastic. Uh, not to, not to single him out. Um, but yeah, this uh, is a very, very beautiful cast overall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show that, you know, you can still look good after the age of like 25, which whatever the normal big brother age cutoff is. Uh, this is, this is like a, the oldest I mean, season ever, like, right. Like on average, to kind of, maybe not to ever, get off, but, like mm. in recent history. To get off topic with like the individual stuff and to go on this, I completely agree with you guys. Like it's so much better to have these real people than these like vapid, you know, 20 somethings and stuff. It feels more like a survivor season where you yeah. have some older yeah. people, but yeah. you, the gameplay is just going to be so much more evolved. Yeah. To answer your question, Lance, I, I feel like, I would to answer your question, Fox, I think the celebrity seasons have both been over at older skewing. Uh, just because of the people that they cast. But yeah, I would definitely say a modern, like, civilian Big Brother seasons. Usually they cast the token, like, one or two people, usually one woman, one man, over 35. And that's not the case here, which is exciting. I mean, I did like, as much as Big Brother likes to tout its own, uh, to pat its own back with its percentages, I did love Julie sort of embellishing the fact of how many people have gotten married and had kids since. Because I do feel like as someone who has gotten married and had kids, it fundamentally changes your worldview and your life experience and you as a person. And so it's going to be cool because we're not going to be seeing the same people come back that we saw come back even like five years ago. These are going to be completely different people that might have a new approach to the game based on their new approach to life. Yeah. Uh, and we saw a lot of that in, in Survivor last season, I think. There yeah. was a lot of bonding about like, you're a parent now, I'm a parent now. And it's just, it's just so great to just see like these life stories, like how everybody has just kind of turned out. And it's the you know, challenge effect, you yeah. know, keep the same people going and you live mm -hmm. with them and you grow up with them.
That's right. That's right. Memphis Thank is you the next Johnny Bananas. Um, all right. <laughs> one last one last person to talk about on the cast, and then we are done with our group of 16. Uh, but he is a, uh, the last person, but not least, is a very recent uh, uh, Big Brother from Big Brother 21, uh, David. David Alexander, the only person here uh, who has never competed in an HOH competition uh, and never been voted out of the game or made, never made it to jury or... I mean, can you, uh, it's, so this Sounds is like, like an if this is second chances, like this is like, yeah. this is the second, like he is the definition of a second chance. Yeah, the quintessential uh, or, second chance. Or, or sure. maybe can you even call it that? Cause did he, did he even get a first chance? I mean, he was out of the game so fast. Um, if you remember what happened last year at the beginning, uh, Jackson, uh, uh, SpongeBob Squareface won the uh, first <laughs> camp director competition and he put up uh, uh, the minorities in the house and the old guy. And David went out the door without going out the door. Uh, he went into the sequester, got a chance to play a camp comeback uh, where he was in the game, but not really in the game. Mm -hmm. Didn't really get a chance to play. Um, but the one thing that we do remember from his season is that he had a really great read on Grateful or Grateful plus Sam or whatever the... the undeniable. The, whatever, yes. Whatever the alliance of the day the was. best alliance name Kind of had his finger on it, uh, even though he was unable to do anything about it. Um, yeah, and I, so, and I, think, I think that sort of... Because I think a lot of people would look at him and be like, you know, there are several other people that got screwed out of a chance in the first day. What about Jody? What about Cameron? What about Glenn? But I think what David has over them is A, recency bias. Mm. B, I think that he was also, you know, someone who earned a bit more of sympathy from them because something else that happened is, you know, when he returned to the house as part of Camp Comeback, the way they treated Camp Comeback was happened to be filled with some of the minority contestants were sort of like they were treated like second-class citizens. In a manner of speaking, they were like, okay, let's not talk to them. Let's not regard them. And so David had to spend an extra three weeks in the house just like, not really a part of anything, not really being considered a full house guest. Uh, but it gave that opportunity for us to like actually see him as a contestant. And I think that potential puts him above those other people and that the unfortunate thing is that those people were out and they were done. You know, mm -hmm. Glenn and Cameron got chances to come back, but we didn't get to like see their strategy being thought out on the live feeds like we did with David. And so I feel like he is somebody where if you're choosing between those four, he has more evidence outright from last season as to okay, he could do damage in this game potentially if he had the chance to do so. Yeah. Um, the only thing that worries me about David's chances, I mean, he is, like like I said, like he has that great read of the game. And I expect that if alliances start forming, he's going to be able to pick up on that as well. Uh, but the thing that, that gives me a little bit of a pause is that like, unlike some of the people like your Ian Terry's, he is not a super fan of the show. Uh, he is not someone who has a deep wealth of big brother knowledge. He's kind of going on like just like common sense and like what he can just figure out by like knowing people and how people are. Um, and I just feel like, like there's nothing that says like you can go super far in big brother without knowing big brother. I mean, Paul, I, I think he played big brother twice and didn't watch an episode once. Right. Um, maybe if he had, he'd be a, like a winner one time, two time winner. You specifically watch the finale is Paul. If he had just watched a jury segment, a single jury segment, to know they talked to each other, maybe that would have helped. Um, but uh, I, I wonder if the the fact that David doesn't have that like more of an in depth knowledge, like he could kind of wind up in a situation where, uh, like a lot of contestants in the past, like that, say like like a Sam, like I could see him kind of going on like a Sam path, where everyone's kind of willing to work with him because 
you know, he's not really playing the same game as everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when, you know, push comes to shove, he's just not that person you count on the, at the end. Um, So I I don't, I'm excited to see him play for the first time though. Like I, I, we really don't know. So it's going to say, I just am excited to see him play and to see what kind of player he actually is. Like, obviously we saw that he has some kind of read on the game and everything. And, you know, just from interviewing him stuff, he's, he, is an engaging guy he's a he's i think he's going to be a real social threat and stuff but like you said when we talked to him he said he didn't watch a lot of big brother which kind of scares me but you know sometimes that's good you know super fans you know sometimes they stick to the same thing you know they're Mm, in the structure he can get outside the box a little bit yeah i'm just i'm just worried that everybody is going to be playing on one level and he's going to be playing on another just because like they know who Keisha is and they know that Nicole is a snake and they know like there's things right. that people know that he just doesn't and that he's going to need to pick up on or like yeah. or, be able or to trust the information coming from other people. Or even like how to play a week. You know, he got to watch it, but not participate in it. Right. Yeah. He doesn't, he also doesn't know what competitions might be coming up and like how to study for said competition. Mm-hmm. So I think he is at a significant disadvantage for the end game which is so competition heavy and are so prep based uh unless he really gets under the wing of someone who can like really like if david and ian come together that's great for him because ian can tell him everything about what he needs to prepare for but otherwise he's gonna have to just like rely on his own uh inhibitions to be able to to, you know get get along in that last part of the game yeah and and he's gonna need that he's gonna need someone who knows the game to really help him out on that because when you get to that final stretch it's all about these competitions that we've seen before and you know that like days matter and who played what and Mm -hmm. like what was the name of this competition like stuff like these things matter and people who have played multiple times and people who are fans of the show you know to pay attention to what happens on day 27 um does david uh, i mean maybe maybe not like he just needs he needs help on that part and it's unfortunate that that's something that he could have provided for himself before going in that he didn't mm-hmm. but you know it's who knows how much notice he had like he could have yeah. gotten like a call on a monday been on a plane on a tuesday you, like you don't know yeah like you don't it's know. just tough because his competition is so elevated now and he's the only guy that really hasn't played the game so you're really yeah. throwing an all-star in just with wolves and it's it could be really tough yeah um but you know like i like i said we'll we'll see excited to see him play um all right so i i think that i think that about covers uh every everybody who's on the show um i, I want to talk real quick about like once we were introduced to him we had the little competition uh, i want to talk about this competition um because it's, it's it's part of the the fun of live tv but we watched the same competition four damn times um and it wasn't I, I will say it wasn't it's even a good not, competition. Not the most compelling television. Uh, this this ball maze thing, um, and uh, I, I want to talk a little bit. I, I know I noticed it. The internet noticed it. Uh, people I was just talking to over text message were noticing it. The guys had a much shorter path to get to the answer than all of the women did. Yeah, and I, I think that shows in the results, right? Not to mention that the actual final round competition favored people who have like long strides and move yeah. quickly. Like it's, it's, it's tough. And it's, it sort of shows, I think maybe some of the, whether incidental or not, the biases that come yeah. in some Big Brother competitions. It did not seem like a great way to start the season off from a competition perspective, even just to the fact that to your point, Fox, it was pretty boring to watch because let's remember it was four minutes was the timeout. And so we had, imagine watching four minutes carry out 
and then four different times. It just got, it got very tedious. I'm sure they didn't think it through completely either. I know Julie Chen did an interview with Dalton Ross after the fact where she's like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. You know, I think they do an okay job managing the the live shows on Thursdays, but they have like prepackaged stuff to put in there. So it doesn't feel completely live. This is one of the most live episodes of Big Brother we've ever had. Uh, and and so I think that you know it it really did feel like it was it was stretching its time a bit because there really wasn't anything to fill out. Whereas in the past it would be like, okay, we're gonna cut to this, we're gonna cut to that. Even the finales have all these other segments that play out, and that didn't necessarily happen here. It was pretty much like unfiltered in the house at all times. Yeah, and I thought I, we were gonna get a clip show, and I, I kind of wish we did after watching that. Aw, oh, that's that's tough. I but mean, to I, be I fair, s- the, the introduction of the house guests plus the competitions did take like an hour and 15 minutes of the two yes. hours. Um, you know, I'll say like we we can joke. We'll joke about it. You know, live TV. There were there were plenty of uh, plenty of bumps uh, along the way. But uh, this is first of all doing anything live is so so tricky. Uh, mm. You know, they they you know Big Brother does it you know once a week, um, but that is during a world in which COVID does not exist, where you have a full staff of people working in an office together, working in the home together, like working in the house together, working on the, the lot together. And that just that just can't come together this year. And you combine that with the fact that like this Big Brother season has been delayed or mm-hmm. pushed back or moved around where there's like, uh, you know, we as like watchers and the press, like we're trying to follow when it was going on. Um, I'm sure that the people who are actually on the show were like, similarly, because it's, it's, that's just the world we live in now. Like who, who yeah. knows how this is going to go. Um, so I think you got to give them a, a pass on the live TV being what it is. Just the fact that we're getting TV in general, like yeah. it's a huge new, new TV specifically. It's a huge deal that like they're, they're doing it. Cause it's like Julie kind of went into it a little bit on the show about like all the precautions that they're taking, you know, she's 12 feet away and they're wearing masks and they've all been tested for, for COVID multiple times. And, you know, they're, they're, we're, we're, they're learning as they go along. And there's so many pieces that go into this and, you know, it's, it's really just a miracle that it's even happening. And I don't, don't look, don't look the gift horse too much in the mouth. Yeah. This one, this one's a, this one's good. This one's good. Well, I, I tried to was... get to the gift horse, but the stable door was locked. And I, didn't know how to get it. <laughs> oh, I, do, oh. I do think that uh, there was just more emphasis on Julie because there's no audience. So yeah. you really feel that too. So she just had to do more and, you know, you get a little spoiled watching Survivor and stuff because Probst is so good at like the play-by-play and just during the, the, those four competitions, Julie not saying anything, it just really stood out. Well, I mean, Jeff gets a Jeff gets the benefit of editing in a way that Julie doesn't of course. here. Yep. Um, yeah, they don't you know, do Survivor and, Live. So. You know, every yeah, once though, in a while though, on the for, live show, something awkward or awkward. For what it's worth, though, in being able to see Jeff Probst like in the moment, he and it's because he's had like twenty years pretty much nonstop to work on this. He's a guy who can do something in one take. Uh, in the scene on location, which is pretty great. Again, I will not begrudge Julie too much because there were so many moving pieces going on. And oh, it's not aw- Julie's fault either. The so. awkwardness of having her try to to make everyone sit down to the point where she did the same joke twice. No, uh, it was, it was li- like four times or five. It was a times. little. It was a, it was a little cringy. I mean, the, also the thing is, like, yes, I think the reason, partially the reason why she had to say "just kidding" is because I could realistically see a Big Brother season in the future where it is the last person to sit down is automatically eliminated. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, it's like essentially nose goes to get rid of somebody on Big Brother. 
for sure. Just, for sure. They also put Julie in a tough spot because what do you expect when you bring four people down at a time? They're all going to exactly. sit there and not say anything to each other and stuff. That's just a tough spot for her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, we had a, we, Julie for sure is not the, there were issues across the entire show. Um, not to, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, they, them not unlocking the half not room. Um, that was, that was a, my favorite. That was a little bit of a, that was a little bit of a, uh, anticlimactic moment. Um, but a memorable one. Um, and, uh, I guess, I, I don't know what it is about premiere night, but why do we need to give away, uh, like a super uninteresting $5,000 yeah. on premiere night? Like it I seems like know. every year we do it. Like, well, I guess I, the, depending like, on the person, it could be the reason to target. Like I remember all the way back to big brother five where a woman by the name of, of Lori, I think won like $10,000 and then got targeted immediately the next week because mm-hmm. of that. But I feel like this cast, like nobody's gonna be like, well, Christmas won the $5,000. Cause I'd like to believe that like, if the rumors are true that some of them were given a little bit of cashola in the pocket to come on in the first place, like 5,000 is pocket change. I think yeah. to a lot of these house guests. That's, that's yeah. a good point. It just, it they just felt like, like a, the, yeah, it was just a mechanic that had thing. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it just it was a mechanic that had no payoff. Like it just it, it felt like very tacked on there. Like oh, by the way, here's a thing, and I I don't know. They should have done some major product placement, like Big Brother Two, when they all had to stay in the car, and the last person to leave gets the car. They should have done something like that. <laughs> mm. yeah. Well, no, I, I do love those. I, I personally do love the interesting thing about endurance competitions on Big Brother is that it really is like a gamble as to the longer you stay in, the more you sometimes miss out on possible strategizing going on, right? So like, that's the thing with the car was like, the longer you stayed in there, the less you had to socialize with everybody else. But I also understand Big especially Big Brother nowadays is also about like creating big spectacle events. Like they wanted this move in to be a big thing, which is why they had the competitions and the first HOH crown to really get things going. So I can understand why they want to create a big physical thing both times to really like get everyone moving uh even though people's balls did not necessarily move in the way that they wanted them to so i so i think we've we've just about covered the uh the entire uh premiere here um and yet we have so much more to talk about uh because i want to get into uh i want to get into the live feeds i mean we talked about it a little bit uh cody is your first hoh we saw it happen on the show uh, but now we have an awful lot of information about who his nominees are uh, going to be, uh, who's safe this week, uh, how the uh, house is starting to shape up as far as alliances. Uh, there is so much to talk about, and we are going to talk about it all right after this. Okay, uh, so we are back, and uh, as promised, uh, we are about to get into our live feed discussion. Uh, now, this if you are listening to this uh, before Sunday, possibly before the show as it happened later in the week, uh, we're going to be talking about some of the things you may see on shows that have not aired yet. So if that is not something you want to hear, uh, you will not hurt our feelings by dipping out. Uh, maybe just a little bit. I'll be hurt like a little bit. Uh, I have but feelings we'll, we'll see you back here next week. But um, if you want to hear some spoilers, and that's what Big Brother is like all about, like the live feeds, right? Uh, keep keep going. Uh, so so let's just get into it. Like like I said, Cody is your first HOH, um, and right away, like his strategy is that he wanted to win it so that the conversations would come to him, mm-hmm. and the conversations started coming to him. Uh, I want to say I think the first person that like had a serious or any kind of game talk with him was maybe Tyler. I know Tyler did it early on or late on day one uh, where they're kind of like, 
we got, I got, I got you, you got me. Uh, then Nicole gets in the picture. Uh, Nicole, uh, Nicole, uh, not Nicole Anthony, uh, Nicole Franzel uh, mm-hmm. gets into the picture uh, and talks with them. And we kind of have this first uh, alliance kind of start where it's like, okay, Cody and Nicole are a thing now, right? Yeah. And so basically they've also started like Cody said, you know, I'm going to work with the guys. Nicole works with the girls and then we'll sort of report back. And it seems like a loose coalition is forming at this point with those connections with Cody, Tyler, Nicole Franzel, uh, Danny Briones, I think uh, Enzo might be a part of that. So they're really starting to sort of coalesce on one side, whereas on the other side, some of the more old school players, some of the more unknowns in, you know, uh, and and Janelle and Kaser are obviously very much, they reconnected, but they brought in, you know, Keisha, they're trying to bring in Memphis, uh, and then everyone else is sort of in the middle. That being said, this is an extremely fluid house, and we're going to talk about nominees. Actually, at the time of recording this, nominations just got put up, but I think it's safe to say that things might even change a couple days from now where the intended target might be completely different because I think even more so in this game of returning players, you know, none of them have really had to make nominations before on day two. Usually they get like a week ahead of time before they actually then go through the process. And so I think everyone's a little like scattered and waiting to make the first move. And so Cody really wants people to come to him, but he also wants to go for like that first house vote. Yeah. Like, look, I'm not going to get any blood on my hands. I'm going to put up somebody that everybody wants out so that I have the, the win-win. I get the deals coming to me and I don't need to anger anybody. Yeah. One of the most incredible things about the season is the fact that we got live feeds on day one where yeah. uh, almost immediately, you know, within a couple hours of the live premiere, uh, the feeds got turned on and we got to see like the first moments that these people have in the house. And usually we're like a week or two in by the time we get to see what's going on. And at that point, Alliances have formed, larger alliances have formed, like a lot's already happened. Uh, but we got to really see like the kind of like like the big brother, big bang, where like the, the very beginning of things where it's like these smaller groups and, and pairings start forming up, right? And then the pairings are like, okay, well, what if this person, like I like this person, do you like this person? And it's like a three. And then we mm-hmm. have some four starting. And then once we have these nominations, like I mean, obviously, there are going to be two sides and maybe some people in the middle. Um, but um, it, it's really fascinating to see how this this whole uh, thing start. And it really does start with, like, these, these, these pairs. And that's a big thing that people are talking about in the house. And it's not just the pairing of people who have just met each other, but it's the pre-existing pairs, right? Mm. It's your uh, Keisha and Memphis are kind of like, okay, they are together, right? And um, Janelle and Kaser. Uh, they're together and not because they're together but because they played in the past. And so that's kind of like an early uh, problem for them. That's like an early target on their back. And that really seems to be like part of where Cody is kind of like heading on like his day one thoughts or his day two thoughts where if he's going to put people up, he starts kind of leaning towards Janelle and Kaser, uh, Keisha's in the mix of, of like people yeah. that he's talking about in, in this first, but those are really the people that he wants to put up. Uh, those are his first instincts, right? Yeah. Uh, but what unfortunately doesn't help him again, if he's talking about, I want to leave this without blood on my hands. Uh, he is unfortunately stymied a bit. Cause he, I would assume that had this suite of safety competition not existed, he would have just put up Janelle and Keisha straight up. 
But word got out that he was targeting them. And then when this competition happened, which I guess to explain what it is from what we know, it's a bit of like, so it's a bit like the Wacktivity competitions last year where uh, they get to sign up for like one of the of the next three weeks to compete in, and they can only compete in one. But it's a, co- a competition where if you win, not only are you safe for the week, but you pick someone else to be safe for the week as well. So you can't be nominated. I don't think you can play in any competitions that week either, but at least you're you're safe for the week. Surprise, surprise, when they got when they were in trouble, Janelle and Kaser both played. Kaser won and saved Janelle. Uh, So basically just because, you know, Cody was really trying to think about who to nominate uh, and it got out that he was targeting Janelle and Kaser, they went, they immediately went into that competition, went balls to the wall, ended up winning. And so now they are safe and guaranteed to make it through week two. And they are definitely miffed at Cody for attempting to go after them so early on. Yeah. If you it's just so funny to, to think that he did all this to not get blood on his hands and without even nominating anybody, he's already got this blood on his hands and stuff. And just, if you want to go for the easy house vote, is there one in, in this all-star house? Like, in a I regular mean, season, yeah. But I, I would say know. I would say there are probably a couple easier votes. I don't think that Caser uh, uh, and Janelle are the easy vote just because nope. they're one of them's going to stick around, if not two of them. If you're going to put them both up at the, you know, and give them a chance for a veto, you know, who knows what happens there. Yeah. Um, someone's going to be angry at you, and it's someone who can win a competition. Um, maybe if it was, uh, you know, Cody was talking about uh, uh, Keisha at first. I think that's a great person to put up, like put up uh, like a Keisha or a Kevin or someone who people don't really know. Like that's a good like week one. Like mm-hmm. it's no one's, no one's coming into the, like maybe, you know, you're cost problem with Memphis there, uh, you know, with, with Keisha or whatever. But like, I, I feel like that's probably, you want to put someone up there who's not really connected maybe. Or, um, um, and from that perspective, like, or even somebody like a Christmas or a mm-hmm. David who like, might have connections but they're very slight and it's also somebody that's like you're not going for a big target or yeah. even if they survived it's not like oh what is you know david going to do with me from now on how much social capital does he have going in you could also depending on the person that you are you could very easily be like i'm gonna put up the two winners you know mm-hmm. depending on sure. if you do you want to be jenna lewis and survivor all-stars and mm-hmm. make it known like we are going for the big people here you could definitively make a statement there, but also, obviously, uh, Cody is working with Nicole, so he would not want to make that move. Yeah, yeah. No, that it makes that, sense. That, that, I, I find the competition really interesting just because, obviously, you know, Kaser and Janelle most likely working together just from their previous season, but the plus one really makes you draw that line in the, in the house and the sand and stuff. And so for a game early on when you kind of want to be ambiguous about it, it's interesting that you can kind of say, hey, this is my person now. Yeah, if you love, I mean, this is going to be like, we have not seen the week play out yet on the TV, but if you like, this is going to, this is a fantastic week of Big Brother already. And it like this, this, what goes wrong, there are like two great components to it, right? It's that Janelle and Kaser are playing a really good game where they are able to recognize that they're in trouble before someone takes the shot at them mm-hmm. and that they're able to do something about it and head it off the pass. We're like, there are plenty of seasons at Big Brother where someone is in trouble and they just stand around all week and go home without doing anything. Um, So it's great to see that. But at the same time, it was a misplay by Cody where Cody is having a, I mean, I don't know what you would grade this HOH. If I'm doing it, maybe like a C minus or it's not a great HOH because he did not do nearly enough to make 
Janelle, Kaser feel safe so that they knew they were in pro they were in trouble. So they went out for it. Like he just really, I feel like he has done a very poor job as HOH uh, about making everybody happy. And he's very kind of like transparent about who he's working with or who he would like to work with and who he is not working with. Yeah, um, which goes to show again, like he, when he won this HOH, he told Julie, it's like, well, it's because when I walked in and I, I saw some people I was surprised by, like, I wanted to keep myself safe. And you could tell that like the people he feels good with are the people he's surrounding himself with. And so everybody else, he's not exactly reaching out to warmly at this point. Now, again, it's only been two days at this point. Things could change as he sort of warms up over the week. It does seem like up until these nominations, everyone was sort of like, pussyfooting around one another and that like nobody was able to really want to like cause a big fuss now the nominations have been made that might change a little bit but yeah it, it does seem like cody has not necessarily succeeded in his goals so far though who knows if he is able to get out someone like keisha this round i don't think it'll be a total loss mm -hmm. but i would say he is one of the bigger targets going into next week especially if that other side does end up winning and also Again, surprise, surprise, Janelle and Kaser find themselves in a fighting position early on in a season here. Of course. Yeah. Um, no, I think, it, I think it's very interesting uh, the, way it's, the way it's turned out so far. Um, now, like you said, uh, Kaser uh, is a winner of our uh, safety suite competition. He's protecting Janelle. And because of that, uh, Cody's kind of got to do, um, not unlike the Cody from Big Brother 19, he's kind of got to go down on his list to see, yeah. okay, who is still vulnerable that I would like to get out of this house? Um, and uh, uh, Keisha was always on his mind, so it's Keisha, uh, and it looks like the other person that just kind of uh, has to take the bullet and sit on the block this week is uh, Kevin. And yeah, so, these... yes, and Kevin's purely a pawn, yeah. uh, at least what they, they pitched him. Kevin For did now. try... <laughs> Yeah, for now, Kevin did try to make like a last minute pitch to Cody, very emotional, just being like, I'm sorry, I'm awkward. Like I had a weird time on my first season. That's why I didn't approach you. And it seemed like Cody received that, but I don't think it swayed him enough. Though to Lance's point, things could completely change in the next few days, depending on the veto. Kevin could become the target or another target could happen. And like Kevin gets taken down and that person goes up. So it remains to be seen, but it also looks like uh, Keisha is ready to bring like season 10 Keisha out now that she's officially nominated. Cause that's the other thing as well yes. is that she was actually playing a little meek in these first couple of days to the point where I don't think she had a conversation with Cody, like her and Kaser were whispering before we recorded about like, okay, well, you know, I think I'm going up, but I don't know, and I should talk with him. And Kevin, for what it's worth, was giving his plea to Cody before nominations. Keisha, I don't think, had talked to him yet. So I'm hopeful that this lights a fire under her, because I would hate to see her go out in week one without, you know, really trying uh, to fight tooth and Absolutely. nail to, to evade eviction. Yeah. yeah uh, um, one thing I wanted to go back to with, uh, with Cody, I do feel like he did, I think he had to change his game up, because I think he thought Derek was going to be in that house, and when he saw that Derek wasn't in that house. I think he's like, crap, I need to win that head of household. Yeah, I, I, I was actually thinking the same thing. Like when he was mentioning, like he was looking around, like he exactly. saw the people he was competing against. That was my first thought. He was looking for Derek and didn't see Derek. Um, speaking of, by the way, uh, you know, not to get too deep into the rumor, but I, I, I feel like we've heard about it on the live feeds. That is, that is coming up in the house. Like apparently a lot of people were expecting to see Derek there. And a lot of people are wondering why Derek is not around. And I guess Janelle has been uh, doing some talking. And Janelle mm -hmm. is pointing the finger at Nicole F. 
Yeah, uh, though I wonder, you know, I think the the weird thing about this preseason for a number of reasons was that the house guests, I believe, had access to their phones uh, for a little bit, certain portions of time. And, you know, that big rumor was spread a couple of weeks ago, which I think is pretty unfounded. So I would not be surprised, honestly, if this is not insider information, if Janelle, like, saw that tweet and decided to run with it for whatever reason. I mean, there's been also a lot of talk of, like, Dan, who I don't know how much Dan was really in uh, the picture for wanting to come back. He's someone who has like said in the past, you know, he said like someone like me can't win big brother nowadays. Like, I think he seems less on board than someone like Derek for coming back, but it does seem he talked a lot with people behind the scenes. I, I wonder how much he was involved in that as well. But I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised to see Derek back. I think of those, those modern winners, he is somebody who has done a lot with the show. Again, he was a, doing a lot of appearances on the show. He has a lot of media stuff now that he did that serial killer show on Discovery. Like, That's right. I mean, I think the the big news is that I believe his family told him they didn't want him to do it. And so otherwise, I think he would have been on this season. They would have loved to make room for him on this season, but his family was like, please do not go during the middle of a pandemic. Uh, that makes sense. To spend three months I, in a house. I think that if they, they obviously got a great cast, but if they went to like the celebrity Big Brother kind of two to three week thing. They would have got Dan. They would have got Derek. They would have got a lot bigger names. Yeah, Daniel, got- Daniel Reyes is another person who said she yep. was contacted multiple times, but because of the economy, she didn't want to, you know, go in for a couple of months. I agree. Exactly. I think. And there was a rumor for a while about like, they would replace the celebrity big brother winter slot with like a mini season after this. I don't think that's likely anymore, but yeah, I'm not going to begrudge anybody for either going on to the season or not like Memphis oh, yeah. has said before he wouldn't have been on this season if it wasn't for COVID. He's a right. restaurateur, which obviously that industry is very much in limbo right now. And he sort of has no work to do at the moment. Yeah. And, and one thing that I do want to do want to point out, just it's a, a, good, a good point in general, but to remember that when you're hearing these conversations on the live feed, this is Big Brother. And just because you hear someone say something doesn't mean it's true. They're mm-hmm. all playing a game. What? Janelle has plenty of reasons to try to div- bring a wedge between people and Nicole F. So maybe it's true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's exaggerated. Maybe it's like when you hear something on Big Brother and you think like, oh, that's stupid. Like, why did they say that? Or like, they don't see what's going on. Like, sometimes they do. And they're just not letting that person they're talking to do it. Like, you can't get inside their head. You can't trust everything you hear on Big Brother. People are writing checks that they just can't find later in the day or whatever. Stop writing checks. Well, well, also remember, you know, Tyson uh, infamously was the guy who said preseason that he was going to spread those lies and survivor winners at war about Robin Sanders' appearance fees. Mm -hmm. Like, people can make up preseason shit all they want to. Not only cause problems, that cause real problems for people. And not only for people in the house, but also for people at home too. Like, you'd have to imagine Janelle is is someone that's also going to stir the pot as well and really get the rumor mill going against someone like Nicole Franzel who has not, I think a lot of, even even some of the favor that she had earned going into the house, I think unfortunately has sent her to the bottom of the list uh, and her going after people like Janelle and Kaser, who again, surprise, surprise, are the most popular people right now. Right, right. Um, so now, obviously, uh, you know, at the time of this recording, we don't know what's going to happen with the veto. That's probably going to happen tomorrow uh, or, or Saturday, I guess. Um, so we're not really, we don't know how the end of the week is going to turn out. But I do want to just, Nobody does. Uh, just th- theoretically, uh, you know, if these are the two people who are, are there, like, how do we expect the week to play out? Like you said, it, it's, it's Keisha. Uh, Keisha's the target. Uh, Kevin's uh, kind of the pawn here. Does that look like it's going to bear out? Like, how, how are things looking? 
Yeah, I think that right now, like if they were to hold a vote right now, Big Brother 2 style, I think Keisha would be the one to go. Like I think, because right now, I think Cody could reasonably get like, definitely Tyler, definitely Nicole Franzel. I think it could get Enzo, probably Christmas, probably definitely Dan, Danny Briones, and then maybe somebody like David uh, as well, and then maybe convince a couple of other people to sort of hop off the the sinking ship to get rid of Keisha. But again, these are very tenuous reasons to get rid of a person. And I know that people are hesitant to sort of expose themselves to not wind up that backdoor talk mm-hmm. target, but who knows, maybe Cody can be coerced from a certain perspective. If people have more time to get in his ear, particularly somebody like Kevin, he might be able to convince Cody to do something else and go after a bigger target. So I would say right now of the two nominees, I think Keisha's the most in trouble. If that happened though, and Cody went from, I don't want to have any blood on my hands to now replacing somebody else and getting even more blood on his hands, it would just be really interesting to see what kind of disaster, like what kind of hole he's digging himself and everything. Yeah, that's a good point. I think maybe uh, had this safety competition not existed, Cody is a little less amenable to the idea of making a big move and backdooring somebody on his HOH, considering he already has two people mad at him. Unless he's able to really make good with somebody like Keisha, uh, he might just want to cut ties with her right now and be like, all right, let's just get rid of her and deal with the other two later. Hmm. Um, so I have, uh, I've tried my best here to come up with, uh, based on my watching of the live feeds, and I want to run this list by you here, but I've been trying to come up with like an alignment chart of where everybody is in the game, uh, because we kind of have, uh, with the nominations and the, the thought about who might be nominated, we kind of have uh, two separate sides. And uh, I want to, uh, one of the, uh, before I get into it, one of the exciting things about season two of Big Brother Brothers is that we're going places we've never gone before. We've got new segments, space. new exciting, we're going to space, that's right. We are, uh, we've, we've got a lot of time on our hands with quarantine. So one thing that I am introducing in season two are puppets, right? It's the season of puppets, very exciting. So Ooh. we have two sides of the house. On one side, we have, we have uh, Cody. Oh, Cody, okay. your HOH, uh, say, wearing his dinosaur Maria? costume and his I Heart Polly t-shirt. Um, and on the other side, we have Janelle. Janelle and Kesar. Uh, Kesar, they are the two people. Very, very uh, good kind of, uh, right? art craftsmanship here. Not, Fox. not bad, right? Yeah, I got, like I said, I have a lot of time on my hands. Okay. Janelle <laughs> kind of looks like the Canadian from South Park. Yeah, exactly. A little with bit, the flapping right? head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so on the on the Cody side, right? So we've already talked that he is uh, he's got a thing with Nicole, right? Where it looks like that uh, he's got a uh, he's going to work on getting together with the guys. Nicole is going to work on getting together with the women in the house, and they're going to come back together and they're going to compare notes and they're going to be a super team. Uh, so that that's that's part of it, right? And then today, or I guess uh, Friday. Um, you could say that that kind of expanded into now a four-person alliance, and I want to say that uh, Enzo and Danny are, are kind of on that side, it looks like, mm-hmm. right? So it's that four, and then throw in Tyler, right? Because Tyler is uh, seems to be very close with Cody, just kind of fits in that world. Yeah, t- Tyler has kind no of, reason uh, to keep Keisha right now. He's a plus one to their four, really, um, and he's he's kind of that's a that's a good spot for him. Uh, then I think uh, on closer to that side of the house, but not quite in that Cody super block uh, alliance. Uh, I'd put uh, Christmas in there. 
Mm -hmm. uh, I'd put Memphis in there. I, I might put David in there as people who are probably more likely, it seems, at the moment to work with that side as opposed to the other side. Uh, but if you're talking about like Christmas, Christmas is really just being used by everybody. Everybody just loves that she's going to win comps. And that's really what they're thinking Christmas, about, though. right? Yeah, um, everyone, everyone just uses her as an excuse to uh, see your family, to, you know, get gifts for people. Yeah, it seems like, and I think people are like also a bit surprised at like, oh yeah, like Christmas is a really nice person. So I think she's come across as like relatively harmless. And to your point, that makes her easily weaponized in these first couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she's very active socially. Like she's doing a lot of talking and like she's in a lot of conversation so uh that, that makes sense uh then i, I would say uh if you want to call it uh in the middle uh, i'd say the people who seem like they're the most in the middle right now uh seem to be devon and bailey in the yeah. sense that they're great it seemed with everybody in the house like no one's going to come after them uh they have a lot of options as to where they can go how they can work with they feel really comfortable with cody as hoh uh because they don't feel like they are uh you know necessarily targets with them uh, but have those two teamed up? Are they they have going so they, together? They, yes. okay. they, they yeah. officially today they officially made like a deal. Let's go in together, which is amazing. I think it's very clear. Like you know, uh, Bailey and Dave, Davon and Swaggy talked about on Twitter how uh, you know when Bailey suffered a miscarriage in the jury house, like Davon was there for Swaggy. Like she helped comfort him through all it and talk him through it. So like. The two of them have a lot of reverence for wow. each other, especially as women of color on this season yep. too. I think they both want to support each other. So like, honestly, that might be the strongest twosome in the game at this point is the two of them. And I could yeah, not was, be happier. Yeah, that sounds great. And they got to call it Mama Day or Mama Bay. Mama Bay. I love that. Mama or Bay. Bay and Day. Yeah. Bay and Day. They, um, they, Bay Day. Yeah, they've they've uh, they've kind of termed it the uh, the Black Girl Magic uh, Alliance. I'm uh, mm. I'm here for it. Love it. Um, earlier, uh, before they solidified that alliance, there was a really great live feed moment, like you were saying, where the where uh, the uh, Bailey and Devon were talking about, you know, how Devon was there for Swaggy. But the other half of that was that uh, Devon kind of ghosted Bailey when like Bailey yeah. got out of the house and like Bailey was looking for support. And they like Devon, like there was like a, there have been a lot of apologies actually, and a lot of like of yeah. trying to wrap up the, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you can't ghost them now that they're in the house. Yeah, because I yeah. believe uh, it was it was Danny and Nicole Anthony, uh, Nicole Franzel both like ghosted yeah. Nicole Anthony's podcast or something because they knew she would be on and they didn't want to say anything because they didn't want to like give any connotation to anything. Yeah, interesting. I did, I did, I did want to bring that up because it is, it is interesting that. Uh, after you know, if if we had a podcast, go, you'd never ghost us, Mike Bloom. I know you'd oh, never, never ghost us. Well, listen, I'll I'll but... take any excuse to talk in a podcast because I think the fact is at this point, if I didn't talk to somebody in a podcast, that would be more suspicious than if I did. It would be. And, if, it would and be. from that perspective, like if talking to someone on a podcast is pre-gaming, if I played in a, a game with like all the RJP people, I would have pre-gamed the shit out of everything just accidentally by just yeah. the, the person that I am. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's clear that they were obviously a lot of us tiptoeing, but yeah, to your point in that conversation, I know Day also expressed the fact that she was like, yeah, I, uh, when I'm out of Big Brother, I have sort of like focused on my own life. You know, I don't really concentrate on the community. So I apologize that I did that. That's just sort of me, but it was a way for them to sort of like build a bridge with that. And it does seem like the two of them are confiding in each other the most yep. and so you'd have to imagine at least in these first few weeks that whatever direction one of them is going to go the other one will go in as well which is very powerful yeah yeah um so they are uh, they're kind of in the middle at a great great position uh that's and that's part of why i think devon can go really far like she is yeah. very well set up here 
Um, and I feel like that's the best place to be. Like the Cody spot is not the best place to be. I think the Devon spot is like the best place to be where you get, you're, you're just in on whatever's going on. You're going to be in on it. Um, and I love that. So you know, what's kind of crazy uh, is yeah. no, we, I feel like we haven't even talked about Ian has even like showed up, has done anything. Yeah, so, I know, so I know let's, for, yeah, for a hot that. second, I know that Ian was possibly talked about as somebody to go up against, uh, to go up against Keisha, but I believe Nicole F talked Cody out of that. I think she's someone who has Ian's back. Yeah. Um, Which let's... makes sense because he's a fellow winner. And so I think she very easily realizes that once he goes, it's a very easy excuse to turn to her as like the other out of the group. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's wrap up the other side here, the, uh, the Janelle side here of things. Uh, so we can, and, and we can talk about Ian a little bit more because he kind of fits a little bit closer to this side of thing. Uh, but obviously we have Janelle and Kaser. Uh, they're together. They've been competing in this safety competition together. Um, I think you throw Keisha in there now. Uh, if yeah. she's, she's on the block. Like it's the lines that were drawn by Cody there. Um, and Kaser, I, as I mentioned before, talked with Keisha specifically being like, I want to work with you before yeah. nominations happened. Yeah. Um, and then I think you've also got, uh, you know, two other people who are kind of on that side of the house now, I think just as part of a natural fit with that side of the house are Nicole Anthony and Ian, uh, who I believe have been talking with each other. Um, they're kind of like a, a, a good kind of like natural pairing where you could see mm -hmm. them getting along very well in real life. Um, so, uh, and that's kind of, and, and that's Nicole's game to get those, that smaller group uh, together and then to hopefully maybe work with this larger group as well. Uh, and then I have uh, a Kevin who is a little bit closer to the middle. I know people on the Janelle and, and Kaser side are a little bit nervous that he's going to relay information uh, back and forth to the, uh, the HOH. So he is, uh, he is a little bit at, a, at an arm's length. Um, yeah, but, and then uh, Kevin and Kevin is sort of playing a similar game that he did in the beginning at Big Brother 11, which was like, despite there being a very clear divide in the beginning of that season, he was very friendly with everybody. I think that's Kevin here. I also think he's like very trepidatious again, like not wanting to necessarily make waves because it's the first impression for him to a lot of people. So yeah. he's just like being very naturally social with everyone. You can imagine that's sort of one reason why, despite pushing against it, he was like amiable to going up on the block as a pawn. You know, I think showing someone like Cody that I can be loyal to you. Mm. I guess you could say he's playing both sides, but again, like the both sides here are still very, very loose in these first couple of days. Yeah. Uh, is there anyone who stands out to you uh, as playing a like a fantastic game, like a winner's game right now? Yeah. So again, it's I'd say like early, but yeah. I mean, I think Bay and Day again, like finding yourself in the middle. Because I will also say, I can imagine if it is a close vote between Keisha and Kevin, for example, I don't think that Janelle and Case are going to be like, damn it. Uh, Bailey and Davon, why did you do that? The the blame's going to more so turn towards Cody. You know, Nicole Franzel, I feel like, had, like, a good beginning of the day on Thursday, and then, like, it all kind of went downhill. Like, she is, she was playing very hard out of the gate, and I think the rumors about her apparently pre-gaming very hard but very messy have also sort of manifested themselves here where she's sort of doing the same thing. Maybe it helps that she has a friend who's in power, but... I mean, see her go from the beginning of the day where she's sitting down with Cody being like, all right, we're going to have this big plan to her ending the day of her crying because Kaser and Janelle are safe and her blaming it on like, oh, I'm just tired. That's why I, I cry when I'm tired. Yeah, uh, not, a lot of, not a lot of people excited to see Nicole crying. Um, but it's Big Brother. You're going to see a lot of that, right? Yeah, just, maybe not on day two, but who knows? But I think that, <laughs> so I think that she has the ability, like she already showed over the course of one day that she has the ability to do some really cool things 
But if there's there's a capacity for messiness there that may not fly in a season with all returning players as it may have done in her previous two seasons where you can sort of like be forgiven for certain mistakes. I would also give it up to like, you know, some people like Enzo, for instance, who I think has like made himself in good with someone like Cody, but he's not completely attached to the hip as someone like Tyler, who a lot of people are clocking Tyler and Cody, uh, which isn't great for Tyler. I think Tyler who I had high hopes for. I think he also made like three or four final two deals yesterday. He hasn't changed at all. He's doing the same exact game as There are a lot of rider dies. A lot of rider dies. Yeah, so we'll see again how much uh, he's writing those checks like immediately. So we'll see exactly what happens with that. But yeah, it seems like he's in really tight with Cody and like everybody notices. Obviously, same with with Kaser and Janelle. It sucks for the two of them. I I think there's a I think there's at least a seventy percent chance that one of the two of them is going to go home next week. Mm. Honestly, probably Kaser, who I think has been super impressively spot on with observing everything. But like we talked about, that works so much against him when you're thinking about who do I want to keep in this game. Yeah, it's it's bad for them as a pair, but I feel like for them separately, whoever is going to be able to escape. Uh, you know, one's going home, one's going to stay. I feel like the one who stays could go a really long time uh, just because one, they're going to be a good player, but secondly, they lose that I'm in a pair threat. Yeah. And that's like a very big part of why it's not just that Janelle's amazing. It's not just the Casers amazing. It's that they're together and they're amazing together. Um, yeah. So and, maybe and once I, the story moves on, you can just hide. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you know, Big Brother in Big Brother 7, they were able to finish off that Mr. and Mrs. Smith alliance by getting rid of Jason and Diane back to back. But I feel like this group of players wouldn't necessarily want to be like, okay, we got rid of one, let's just get rid of the other one. I feel like they would already, to your point, look ahead for who next to target that that other person almost gets disregarded as like, well, they're just a foregone thought in all of this. Yeah. Uh, let me let me ask you, Lance, is uh, who is anyone standing out to you as a, you know, pop playing a winner's game or just a really, uh, really good game right now? Um, I really like what, uh, man, that's a tough question. I, I'm going to go with uh, with Bailey and, and Davon. They just okay. feel like they just have really strong connection. I like what uh, what Danny's been doing, too. She just feels like she's so fluid that she could really go to either side mm. and she hasn't really stuck on with anybody, even though she might be going against the old school players. I really like what she's doing. And I just feel like it's so early that survived the first week. Like I know we're talking about Kaser Janelle could go home, but how many times I know this is like a, in a regular season, but how many times is that they survived that first week and then they kind of last a little bit and stuff. So kind of hoping for that for those two, but I can totally see them just being targets perpetually. No, that's a great point about Danny Donato is, again, I'd say the schism has been like a bit of old school versus new school to a certain extent. And Danny has been able to sort of infiltrate herself into the new school group, despite being a bit of an old school player, not having played in almost 10 years. She's still like, hey, I get along. And, you know, it helps that she's been in the area. So I'm assuming she's been able to like sort of uh, talk with some of these people beforehand if she's been given the opportunity. But as, as much as it sucks as, you know, uh, Sovereign Six fans to have her turn her back on Kaser and Janelle, for her own game's sake, I think easily getting in with Cody and then probably easily having the ability to flip back and, and go with the old school players is, is a very good spot for her to be in too. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's playing a really good game uh, for sure. She is. Uh, she's on my uh, my short list here. Um, you you already mentioned Devon and and Bailey. I think they're set up fantastically. Uh, the other two people that I would put on a very uh, similar like 
really good level with everybody. No one's going to target them for a while. Everyone likes them. Everyone would work with them. I, I, th I think Memphis and Christmas, those two. Um, mm. Everyone seems to like Memphis. Uh, everyone seems to like Memphis. Um, I, I think he's a much more natural fit on the Cody side, but he also has connection, like old school connections. And there's just like yeah. And then I and I think honestly, the best thing that could happen to him is if he loses Keisha this week, because I've seen yeah. so many conversations right where it's like, oh, it's you in Memphis, or uh, you in Keisha, it's you in Memphis. And no matter what people think, whether they're going to work against each other or with each other, I think just getting that other person out really as we talked about weakens the the target that's on him of like he has nobody in this game that's the only reason why he would possibly be a target is because he's got another person in the house like uh, that i get if she's gone he's he's golden um and yeah so those are those are the people who i i, I think really are, are just set up really well um you know i i think christmas is going to probably force herself on one side of the fence she is not going to be the type to let other people win hoh's she's going to win as many as she can um, and when she does that, she's going to need to take a side. So um, I, I think she may wind up uh, wind up uh, putting herself out of contention as that that person that everybody loves in a little bit. Yeah. Well, um, the thing is with Christmas as well is that one of the things she did, I mean, she literally named her son Loyal. I would not be surprised if yeah. Christmas like commits herself to Cody or commits herself to Tyler and like sticks with that. She is not going to be nearly as much of a jumper as bailey or davon yeah. or even like an enzo oh, sure. or a kevin or a danny i think that if you're if you're if these sides do stick i think christmas is going to be firmly in that cody camp until one of them goes out so yeah i think any sort of like social fluidity she has to your point is going to solidify very soon yeah yeah and it just and it seems and it just seems like she as someone who is a physical threat is going to just kind of wind up kind of like working with that group who want to like it's just it's like modern big brother just feels like this like where it's almost more important to have a group of people together who are really great at winning competitions rather than people who are like super solid numbers where it's just like that just seems to be the thing that people seem to uh to prize a little bit more so um so i, I think she's going to wind up on that side of the house regardless but uh right now she's doing fine um all right, so I, I think that I think that uh, that, that about uh, I think that about covers up the uh, anything anything else that uh, showed up on the live feeds that we thought was uh, interesting here. Any, no, I would just. Sides? I mean, as I mentioned before, uh, just from like a social perspective, I encourage people to check out what Kaser was talking about on Thursday night with regards to why he signed up for Big Brother mm -hmm. and his sort of state on uh, the, the the social justice movements going on. Again, it just shows that like he's just really an awesome guy. No matter what happens to him, I think, and he gets, he even gets choked up talking about it. I mean, if you want to check out T from the first night, you can hear like who uh, got asked or who was pissed off that they didn't get asked. That's that was a lot of fun little preseason T as well. But yeah, those are those are some big highlights from the first couple of days, and I guess we'll see on Sunday night. You know how much makes it because this what we just saw was what Sunday night's episode is going to be, right? We saw up through right. the nominations. So we'll see what ends up making it, especially with this new safety suite competition too. Yeah. Uh, well, I know I'm going to be uh, fixed to the live feeds probably for the entire summer. That's just I stayed up to like three. I, I go to bed when they go to bed, which is not a, well, I, not I a great also, time to go to bed. Also as someone on the West coast though, I think you have a, that's a slightly more amenable thing though. I guess, you know, with a baby, I wake up around like six, six thirty, and that ends up being actually pretty conducive to when they usually go to bed. So I can usually catch like the very <laughs> beginning of the night and the very end of the night. 
yeah, they're they're good till like two or three uh, at the. But uh, this is I, I feel like today is going to be a, a prime. Uh, any anytime you have a competition, uh, so after the veto, after the safety thing, that's just that's that's when the bees start a buzzing. Um, so. Anyway, um, listen, I want to I want to thank you so much, Mike, uh, for joining us here. I know we went uh, a little bit longer than than planned here. We had so much to talk about, but we only went I slightly longer talking. than the, yeah than the actual premiere itself. So I think all things considered, it's okay, and hopefully slightly <laughs> less awkward than the premiere. Oh no, absolutely no, it's super super unawkward for sure. Um, no live issues at all. Everything was unlocked. It was fantastic. Um, so, uh, listen, I, I want to, everybody here, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, if you like the Big Brother Brothers, uh, I would love for you to subscribe to the Big Brother Brothers. Uh, we are on all your favorite podcasting apps. Uh, also keep an eye out for us on the, uh, on the, on the YouTubes. Uh, we're going to be putting uh, all our episodes up on the internet this year in audio and video form. Very exciting. If you want to stare at our beautiful- You can see my dog. You can see our- you can see, Oh, yeah. it's Walter. And you can also see your Emmy. And my Emmy. Yeah. Just casually located in the back. Emmy Award winning podcast host, Lance Cartelli. Zoom flex. <laughs> absolutely. Ooh, so good. Absolutely unrelated to podcasting, but uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's, I, I really wish, uh, I mean, it's been fantastic doing the podcast with the both of you. I really wish we were able to do it in person or in like a non Zoom form, like in the old world. I, I do miss hanging out with you, Lance. I miss hanging out with people in general, like Devon does. Um, but fortunately, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll make it through if we've got this podcast and I'll also make it through because I have a puppet of you too, Lance. Wow. Ooh. I look good. That's yeah. a good look. That's about, it's Lance. that's about as white as my skin. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. You're really, you're really, you're really, you're so white. It messes with the camera. And I love the yeah. shirt too. That's the thing. Yeah. That's shirt. actually, that's actually my shirt. That's the, in all the big brother, brother okay. press images, the survivor Pro brothers press images, Lance is wearing my shirt. That's true. How the truth comes out. This is the preseason rumors that I wanted to hear about. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a gay dude. I know, but I know more about dressing people than he does. Um, and anyway, uh, we don't we don't have a puppet for you, Mike Bloom, because you don't matter. That's uh, fine. I also resemble a puppet anyway. So like, I you just need to take a picture of me and place it on a stick, and that's yeah. my puppet. No. Guess what, Mike Bloom? I got a puppet of you too. <gasps> oh. oh my god! Oh. <laughs> now i just hanging out with lance and, and mike oh my god that's incredible oh this is i wish i wore the hat now this just made my week oh yeah. my god that <laughs> made me so happy this I'll, is just uh, after the season's over i'll like lice all it down i'll send it to you if you if oh you please want. do but, oh i need yeah. this oh my god <laughs> oh i'm so happy i'm I so think happy this is, our, this is our i feel like this is going to be our gimmick for season two lance we're gonna we're gonna get guests by promising to make a thing of them Honestly, you can book a lot of people by promising that right? we'll make a puppet of you. At least from yeah. my perspective, like that's then a you guarantee. sell it to them too. Yeah, who wouldn't who wouldn't want to be a puppet? I'll have a, I'll have puppet versions of all sixteen of these people. I better get to work on the uh, the Kevin and uh, the the Kevin and Keisha puppets real quick, just in case, because uh, they they yeah, may not be. I mean, the good news is that longer. yeah, you you might retire them after one week, but right. yeah, still, still. I don't know how we'll, paper shredder. Or I don't know how we'll do that, but we'll we'll figure well, it out with a the time. There's gonna be a battle back too. So yep, that's right. Yeah, don't there, get rid of your, the... don't get rid of your puppets until the battle back is over. Yeah, exactly. And we'll see, because I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll see if they have a, do they keep sequestering them and do a pre-jury one? Does the jury house just make it easier to do a post-jury one? Like, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what a, in a COVID situation, are they just going to send them back home? And is that safer than continuing to keep them in sequester? 
I or they just get that. like a bungalow for each of them and stuff. <laughs> Well, that's well, how that's they, a, that's what they're, they're original. Yeah, the priest either, they like each got like a, an Airbnb yeah, house. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Everyone got their own individual house. Um, yeah, no, it's, I, yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out and don't, neither of you worry about what I do with the puppets once again. <laughs> oh God. Well, now you put that idea in my <laughs> didn't head. Didn't even cross my mind until now. So great. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, that's, and if you want to, if you want to see, that's, this is what you're missing. If you don't check us out on the YouTubes, you, you're going to miss out on the puppets. Uh, so stay tuned for puppets, puppets and other fun. Anyway, uh, that about wraps us up for this week. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get going so we can get back to real life, uh, boring as it is. Uh, but uh, I want to thank thank everybody again for listening. Uh, all our all our friends and and fans. We are back one more season and we are so excited. Uh, so please like us, leave us a review, follow us, do all the things, and most importantly, catch us back here next week. Uh, so uh, from the virtual zoom podcasting studios here uh box van allen uh saying goodbye uh, thanks for listening and we'll catch you back here next week bye-bye everybody bye bye <laughs>